spreading Cajun across the nation, pushing the brand across the land. Welcome to Ragin' Review, made by the fans for the fans. Welcome in to a brand new edition of Rage and Review. Matt Miguez here. You there. Jerry Bear and Man About Town Josh Jagno are somewhere. And look at me. I'm a poet and I didn't know it. What's up, boys? Keep wow. going. Please keep going. Uh, roll. roll. God, you can't put See, me on the spot like that, spot. man. Now he's put on the spot. He can't do it. That's my fault. That's my fault. Yeah, you can't put me on the spot like that. <laughs> that was a nice run, though. That was so, a nice run. So we'll, we'll open this episode with the conversation of there was football this past Saturday night. There's football to be played this Saturday night. And they were both equally one hell of a fight. Aha, I did it again. Let's talk about Georgia Southern. <laughs> Let's talk about Georgia Southern. Um, 28 to 20. You know, you you guys talked about it in the in the post-game recap. I, I took myself a nice little vacation. Um good to get get back behind the mic though. Um again, man, not not an impressive game. I mean, again, it was, it, it, it's the same thing we, we talk about all the time. We did things well. We did things poorly. We found a way to win. Yeah, we, we did enough to get by. Um, I thought passing game improved a lot. Levi threw some beautiful balls deep. Um, I was not as impressed with the run game. I thought we could have done a little bit better in, as far as yardage goes. Um, Defensively, we you know we gave up a, that sixteen play eighty five yard touchdown drive in the first, really the first their first possession. But yet, since then, outside of that one seventy six yard run by Gerald Green, they really didn't do too much offensively. So I thought the Cajuns did a, the defense did a fantastic job of containing that triple option and kind of holding Justin Tomlin intact. He broke a few runs here and there, but didn't really let him do too much. Um, Josh, you and I talked about it in the preview of having Farad Gardner back, having Zion Hill back. That made the big difference. They made Huge. probably the two biggest plays on defense in that second half, which basically halted Georgia Southern drives. And um, I thought the defense stepped up when it came to stopping fourth downs. But uh, I think what was disappointing for me, and I've said this in the reaction the other night, was I wish the offense could have taken advantage of those some of those possession uh, those turnovers, um, you know, you make a huge defensive stop and then you go three and out and Georgia Southern defense, they didn't, they weren't anything spectacular. They were more injury prone, like you had mentioned, Josh. And yet when that happens, you, 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 you have to keep your foot on the gas, man, you know, because you start playing better teams in those scenarios and you can't score. Well, you're not going to get by like you did uh, against them. So uh, I thought it was it was still a nice win. You went to Paulson. You're undefeated at Paulson, which is nearly impossible to do for any team to go over there and win. But I still think we have room to improve. Uh, we haven't played a complete game yet. So this weekend coming up at South Val, uh, we're going to talk about it. It's going to be a very tough matchup. I know the hype is there in Mobile. They're excited about, about this game. But this is a good chance for us to really improve and play a complete game. 
um, you know, it's a great challenge. But uh, we got the win. We're three and one. We're one and zero in conference. We got the win, and um, time to get ready for South Al this weekend in Mobile. Uh, let me first say. A gritty performance, gritty effort, and I have a lot of respect for Georgia Southern as a program. Uh, I was impressed with their fan turnout. I was impressed by the atmosphere that they created there at Paulson on a, on a Saturday afternoon. I thought it was well done, and, and they have tradition for a reason. Always an accomplishment to go into an environment that expects to win a game and pull out a win. Uh, I thought defensively that they just were outmanned but they still really came to play. They took advantage of some of our mistakes to stay in the game. Um, I, I want to give credit to Levi for a couple of deep passes, which I don't think we ever were in doubt that he could throw a good deep ball. I still don't think he played well, but I think if you look at it on paper, which is what we always say about Levi, you look at it on paper, it looks like a successful outing. Uh, and, and in a lot of ways it was, but for what we want to see and where our eyes are set to, you know, from the standpoint of where we can really go this season, I think we have to play better in a passing game. Um, I was thrilled to see a tight end to a touchdown. So thank you, Johnny Lumpkin. Appreciate you finally catching one. Um, But outside of that, man, it's concerning that the offensive line wasn't able to dominate that defense. It's concerning that our wide receivers outside of the go route, just five and in posts, button hooks, option routes. We struggle to get separation. We struggle to get open. When we are open, we struggle to see those open receivers. The game film is similar game in and game out. The opponent does not matter. The level of defense really doesn't matter. I don't know if we're playing down or playing up. I'm not really sure, but offensive game tape looks similar every time we play. That's concerning to me. The defense still struggles to make tackles. I don't know where that's coming from. Uh, It's like a completely different team from last year on the defensive side of the ball. I think maybe we should address the elephant in a room that nobody wants to talk about where we've replaced uh, seven, I think, position coaches, maybe six. Maybe that lack of cohesion is starting to become a problem and show itself. I don't know, man. All I know is, is that something feels off execution is lacking. We're still very bad on third down, which is another very concerning thing. Um, And with all that being said, we went out, we played well enough to win. Um, We, we mostly controlled the game, you know, like in that third quarter, we played well and kind of really started to dominate, which was even more surprising when the fourth quarter rolled around and we couldn't do anything. I think we got 15 yards on offense, got outgained 164 to 15, punted three times, couldn't get a freaking first down. You know, it's that kind of thing that makes you go, are we good? Are we not? You know? So anyway, putting it in the rearview mirror, glad to get the win three and one. And we're on to South on Saturday. Yeah, no, no question about it. But, you know, a, a topic that we also need to cover before we put Southern in the rearview mirror is the fact that less than 24 hours after that game, head coach Chad Lunsford was relieved of his duties as head coach of the Eagles. Um, obviously, the big thing is on-field performance has just not lived up to the expectations that Georgia Southern has being they were an FCS powerhouse just like App State for years and years and years and years and years. However, 
Georgia Southern fans far and wide can tell me all they want that that video that the Georgia Southern Barstool page posted of players standing on top of a school bus while it's moving, chugging beers, didn't have something to do with it. And that was on the way to the game. Right. That's a, tradi- a tradition that they have. You know, you can't my, tell me that didn't have a, a key in it. My first question, first of all, the first time I saw the video, I didn't realize that that's what was going on. But you got to ask yourself as a fan page, like, for example, we're the Raging Review podcast. We're dedicated Cajun fans. At what point would we post a video that might be detrimental to the program? Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, First of all, what the hell are they doing over there? That's dumb. That's just dumb. And then second, you know, player, Ad, it's uh, Gavin Adcock that, that, you know, got caught doing that, the country music wannabe. Um, what the fuck are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Is he injured? Is he? Not, I mean, is he drinking beer before he goes suit up to play a game? Like, Apparently. I know people do wild things before games, but that seems a little kind of like, yeah, out there, and, right? And now, and now Adcock's no longer with the team. Yeah. Um, really dumb. The yeah, whole thing all, is dumb. All around, all around really, really dumb. It's, and to make it even more dumb, like two days later, or two days prior, I'm sorry, Lunsford goes viral with this coach speak three-minute rant about how God's in control and, you know, the, the program is, you know, kind of giving off the culture of a, it's, it's a religious type of environment. So it all like this whole week for Georgia Southern has been kind of strange. Oh, and by the way, Adcock did play. He had a tackle against us. He also jumped offside on that fourth down call. Uh, Jerry, you remember what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Gave us the first down. He gave us the first down that ended up in a touchdown for Monty <laughs> Bailey. So what an idiot! Yeah, I. Yeah, um, it, it it it's stupidity. I, I have um, to agree. I I just in, first of all, you're. Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, um, it's it's just weird. The whole thing is weird. Um, you, you don't, first of all, you're not, the team is one and two or they're going to be one and three now to where they probably, the fact that they weren't winning didn't help. And then secondly, you go do that on the bus and you chug a beer knowing that people are watching you. Um, yeah, I mean, there, there were fans, strange, there were man. fans gathered I, on the road. I've never, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. Just just all around. Right. It's like parade. Like a right. Mardi, it's like a Mardi Gras parade. Right. Like people are they're t- they like they're filming you. They're they're watching you. But you they're see, but you see, here here's the difference. And a, you a Mardi... stand on top of the school of one of the buses. But here's but here's the you're difference. You're a student athlete. You're representing the school, and you go stone cold Steve Austin. But you see here here's the difference. A Mardi Gras parade. You, you expect to see that. You go to see that. You do not want to see your defensive lineman linebacker hybrid to be standing on the roof of your school bus chugging beer two hours before he goes to play a football game. 
That's yeah. just that's just poor judgment by the player. That's poor judgment by the coaching staff because whether the coaching staff, I, I won't even say that the coaching staff knew what was going on. Because well, if this if this is a tradition, they knew that it was happening. Well, it's a tradition, you know, the bus ride up to the game and everything. To me, this is one of those instances where the coach falls on the sword, regardless if he knew or not. Like, these are the kind of things that you have to stay on top of as a coaching staff. But at the same time, is you can't control 100 kids on a, on a football team, man. So, I don't know. I, I wouldn't really put that at the foot at the feet of Lunsford unless he explicitly says he knew what was going on. But at the same time, he can't say he didn't know because then he'll get crushed by the media. So, right. it's, he's, in a, he's in a tough spot. But what's wild, you know, if you really stop and think about it, is the Cajuns were involved in the last couple of transactions for Georgia Southern coaches. Hudspeth got Lunsford hired, and Napier helped to get him fired. So right. that's an interesting little tidbit. One one thing we got to talk about is the injured O-line and the O-line issues that we are having up and down the book. Um, now with the news that Carlos Rubio is probably done for the year. Um. I mean, when it rains, it pours, right? 100%. And when you saw him limping off the field, you kind of knew. You yeah. know, like I had the gut punch feeling of, damn, right. losing Rubio. You, I mean, you saw it in the first two games, man. He, having him in there just adds an extra punch. And not that Gilly didn't play well and not that anybody else is not really filling in their, their roles well. Uh, but but he was he was extra firepower that we needed. Look at the running game, how it's improved um, from I mean just from Nichols to Ohio, then from Ohio, Ohio to Georgia Southern. Now Georgia Southern sold out to to beat the run. I mean they did. That that's partially why they were so susceptible to the big pass over the top. Yep. But it's it's a marked difference when Carlos Rubio is in the game. Now Gilly's going to go back to left guard and. I'm not really sure. I think Marks is going to go to right tackle. Uh, I'm sorry, right, a uh, left tackle. And uh, Osiris Torrance, I guess, is going to move the left tackle. And I'm sorry, to right tackle. I'm sorry, I'm getting tripped up over my words because I'm trying to put everybody where they belong. Shane is, is obviously going to stay at center. But you're going to have some moving pieces, I guess, is the overall point. And, I, man, one of, at one time, the depth of the offensive line was the strength of this team. Uh I mean, just even last year. And now it might be a glaring weakness because if we have one more guy go down, I don't know how many more times we can move the offensive line around and still be at our peak. I'm not – I don't know. We, we, Tyler Brown has not been what we expected him to be. Right. And that's why he's in a backup role right now. Well, there's a lot of inexperience too. It doesn't help that a lot of your main guys are going out and then you're still trying to find an identity with the rushing attack. You're still trying to find an identity with just playing consistent. I mean, just being consistent and we haven't been able to do that. And then now you've got a few key injuries on the line and how are you able to find that identity? How are you able to, able to find consistency in your scheming if you have one or two alignment going down every other game? Um, and now you've got freshmen coming in trying to step up. That's that's concerning. That's very concerning. Um, so hopefully this week we can see. But and I hope these guys have a great week of practice because uh, losing guys like Rubio, that's that scares me a little bit. Well, let's medical redshirt him and use him next year. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not wrong. If, with that. if he's going to be out for the year, why not? 
Sure. The university unveiled their 2021 Athletics Hall of Fame class. Uh, four people made the list, all of them coming from Diamond Sports. Uh, Paul Baco, Ashley Brignac, Phil Devey, and the late, great coach Tony Robichaux. Uh That rounds out your Athletic Hall of Fame class. Um, you know, on paper, I think it's a great class for 2021. And I, I mean, obviously, it's a no-brainer. The road made it. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's. I mean, that was a, that's I mean, the that's great a class. They're all legends. They're all legends. So, I mean, Paul Bacco had a fantastic major league baseball career. Ashley Brignac was an All-American. Great, great lady too. I've, I've uh, had a few classes with her in college. I'm friends with her husband. Um, he was an equipment manager for football. Great guy. Great family. Uh, congratulations to Ashley. Um, and then of course, Robe, I mean, our boy, well, Robe and then our boy, Phil, I mean, how about, how about those two together going in at the same time, uh, especially with what Phil did, uh, that, that, that what he did with, with the statue uh, of Robe that we see outside of Lam of, 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 of sorry, Russo park. Um, just, just a great class and, uh, each, each player, each, each alum, so much success, uh, both on and off the field. Um, and of course, um, just seeing Coach Robe get in, um, yeah, you, just perfect fit, perfect fit. Congratulations to all four. Agree on all accounts. Yeah, no question about it. And also, while we're talking Hall of Fames, let's talk about the NFL Hall of Fame. Three Cajuns were on the list. Were on the preliminary ballot for the Hall of Fame. I think there was 123 names on the list. Uh, Brian Mitchell, Jake Delome, and Charles Tillman. All three were on the list. Um, obviously, I think right off the bat, Peanut has the best shot of getting into Canton. It's insane that he's not already in. Well, how, how long is, how long has he been eligible? Well, he you have to be because it's it's five, five it's five years yeah. after retirement. Well, I thought he's been out. I thought he's been out six years. Okay, my bad. But the guy revolutionized how to play the cornerback position in the NFL. The Peanut Punch is now taught as a defensive technique. Yep. I mean, when you impact a game like that, you deserve to be in its uh, its highest honored class. So, in my opinion, he should be a shoe-in. You know, Brian Mitchell, for a, a good many years, uh, I think he was the special teams leader in touchdowns, was it, Jerry? All-purpose yards, too, I believe. All-purpose um, yards. That's I mean, I, I really and truly, I, I think that all three of them will make it at some point. Um. I think they're all three Hall of Famers. Jake would probably be the one that is kind of on the fence uh, just because undrafted, never won a Super Bowl, you know, blah, 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 all the, you know, all the secret things that you need. Um, But again, I, I think Peanut has the best chance right off the bat early on, I think he, he could very well get in this year, if not this year, next year. I hope he does. But if not, yeah, I think in the coming years he will. Look, Jake's a great guy. We love him. Obviously, we're homers. He's not a quarter. He's not a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, I wish he would be, but he just doesn't have the resume that's going to beat out. I mean, look at Eli. Eli is a, is a 50-50 guy, and he's got two Super Bowls, and he's, his last name is Manning. So I know we've already kind of had that conversation on this podcast before, but I think Brian Mitchell is is a long shot 
I think Peanut is a shoe in. It's just it comes down to how long is it going to take for him to get in. Realignment talk. Now. Before we get into realignment, oh. I wanted to touch on that foot article, if you would. Okay. Let me okay. hop on that real quick. I just want to say thank you, Kevin, for finally listening to our podcast. Because everything that you wrote in this article is literally ripped off from about four different episodes of this podcast since last year. It, it just so happens that this year it's even more glaring that we can't get off the field on third down and we can't convert on third down. But guys, some of these numbers are just so bad, even worse than we even kind of led to we're leading people to believe we have 53 opportunities this year on third down. We've converted 18. That's what 31% off the top of my head, but it's so bad. And then, you know, he kind of goes in, you know, everybody can go read his article. It's why can't the Cajuns convert on third down? Okay, so he talks about how Levi is kind of not making great decisions and how Napier has basically said, we need to make more decisions. We need to execute, you know, at what point do we start doing those things? Because it's not happening. It's not happening. You can keep saying we need to execute, keep saying we need to get off the field, but or or stay on the field, but it's not happening. So what are we going to do? Our offensive line is injured. That's an issue. Trey Regas and Elijah Mitchell, Elijah Mitchell are in the NFL. Uh, Kevin Dotson and, and Robert Hunt are in the NFL. Again, we said it last week. Those guys are not coming back. There, there is a major issue on third down and really going back to early last year. For this offense, whether Napier is out coaching himself or we just don't have the damn horses, we have a problem on third down. And I'm so glad that somebody wrote it and said it in the Lafayette media. Yeah. Um, I read the article. Um, like you said, it's literally ripping off everything we've said for the last year or so. Um, but, you know, it, if somebody with a little more notoriety wants to write an article on it and, and, and say it was their idea, I mean, that's fine. Now, look, I'm not, I'm not claiming the guy's plagiarizing us. I'm, I'm obviously kidding. Well, no. I, I, We've literally said everything in this article. I mean, it's almost laughable. Yeah, literally. Like, al- almost word for word. But um, so, so, thanks, Kevin, for listening. Yeah. Appreciate it. Always, always, always love listeners. Uh, realignment update. Last topic before we go to break. Uh, Colorado State Air Force to the American is the latest American rumor. And then the latest Sunbelt rumor is Southern Miss could be joining in the coming weeks. What do you guys think about that? Um, I think, well, it's like we talked about last week. Um, what's the model they're going to use? It looks like Mike Oresco is going after the Mountain West schools, trying to get those markets, trying to go get some new time zones. But the question is, after they go after both Air Force and Colorado State, do they go get two more? Do they go after UTSA? Do they go after UAB? I'm hearing UAB is the third school that they're going to choose with maybe one more. So, um, you know, the the position we're in right now, believe it or not, can't believe I never thought I'd say this, but I kind of like where we are. If we decide to go after Southern Miss, if we decide to go after Marshall, if we decide to go after maybe, say, Liberty or even uh, UTSA, if they don't get chosen to the American. Um, 
I just feel like we've created a good geographical staple uh, down here in the, in the Southern region and the Southeast region um, with the schools that we have already. Um, so going at Southern Miss, going in Marshall would be huge. Um, as far as what the Americans doing, if I'm Colorado state, you know, you already have rivals in the mountain West. Uh, now you're possibly going to East Carolina. Now you're possibly going to South Florida. I, I saw on the message board, some of their fans don't seem too pleased with that. So it's going to be interesting to see how they react to it. Um, I really don't know the model that the Americans going after. All I know is I think if the Sunbelt plays their cards right and get the right teams to join, um, that can actually be a good situation that the Cajuns can be in if they stay in the Sunbelt, believe it or not. Never thought I'd say that, but the way things are shaping out right now, that looks like a possibility. I think that the Sun Belt seemingly is being proactive. And my issue has always been with Keith Gill. And if he had the cojones to go out and challenge other people to be the G5 league, if you get Southern Miss, you know, that's kind of predicated on the fact that they can bring their football program back to the, the level that it was in the late 90s, early 2000s. We need that to happen if they're going to be in this league. But from a baseball, basketball standpoint, they're good at, and they're a good travel partner, and they're great uh, for a potential rivalry for the Cajuns. Um, but also, there are other schools within, I don't know what, four, four between, there's like three schools between four and six hours from them. So they have opportunities to, to um, cultivate other rivalries with other Sunbelt schools. It just makes too much sense for USM. Marshall, on a football-only basis, will bring dollars and eyes to this conference. That's, to me, that's... USM is probably 1A and Marshall is probably 1B um, based on potential alone. Marshall is going to have a little bit bigger of a market than Hattiesburg, which is great. Uh, but again, they become a good travel partner for the East Coast teams. They bring instant credibility for the history that they have. Uh, the tradition that they have is great for the Sun Belt. Um, so if those two teams are for sure in, yes. I think that you're correct. I think the AAC makes less sense for the Cajuns. Now, we don't know how it's all going to play out because the West, the Mountain West is a good league. I think they've just been top-heavy for so many years. They've just they've kind of stepped on those kind of middle-tier programs. Um, if San Diego State and Boise are going to the, the Big 12, like it's being rumored, um, there's going to be some more shifting in the AAC. Maybe they continue to look south, southeast. Who knows? Uh, but at, for the time being, you know, the Sun Belt is in a good spot. I agree with Jerry, especially if we can get those two schools on board and and why not go to 12? You know, why why get rid of, of UTA and Little Rock and let's go get some football playing members and go to 12 full members. If you do that, this is a viable conference now and going forward. Hell, I saw a rumor about getting rid of UTA and Little Rock and going to 14. That's Marshall, okay. if, Marshall, then, Southern Miss, James Madison, Liberty. Those are good additions. Look, I those like, are great additions. I like I like James Madison. I don't like Liberty for a lot of reasons, but they have money and they are they want to win in, in sports. So, yep. you know, definitely a lot to look forward to in the next couple of weeks in terms of realignment. Um, as we have been, we'll, we'll bring it to you when we know um, what we know. When, when we see what was being talked about, uh, last thing we can talk about is whoever made the McNeese 
some belt schedule. <laughs> kudos, kudos to those guys because that was I hilarious. admire I admire the creativity, but but hilarious. you know, I, and look, it's it's a fan. And what Matt's referring to, we posted it on Twitter. Uh, basically, Magnese has a fan football uh, football fan page, and somebody posted a mock. Magnese 2023 schedule as if they are in the, as if they're Sunbelt conference members. And as Cajun fans, we have to laugh at it, but look, man, I, they called, I they called the their, game with Louisiana, the I 10 bowl. Oh dear God. Okay. I, <laughs> oh, no, no, I no. Admire, it was UL Lafayette. UL Lafayette, the I 10 bowl. You're right. You're right. I admire right. their ambition. I admire their vision, but the reality is, is they're under 50. They have less money in their budget than ULM. Okay. There's no way that they're sniffing. The FBS. They know that until they get more money. So they know that. I mean, I guess I could say keep dreaming, but I. I, I but I mean, but nice, but, nice here, but here I, but it's not a it, it's not a dream. I I don't think McNeese dreams about being anywhere other than where they are right now. Yeah, they just don't have the money, man. I I really I really think that the picture was posted as exactly what it was intended for. It was a meme. It was a joke. A troll job. Right. It was a, hey, you know, with all this conference realignment talk, let's let's poke some fun because, you know, track record, somebody will let anybody in. So why not let McNeese in? Sure. McNeese hasn't even been so, relevant. Yeah, in I mean, the it, was a, it was a hell of a troll job. Uh, they haven't even been relevant in the Southland for like a decade. No, I mean, I, I, I totally agree. Um, last thing we can talk about before we head to break. Dr. David Fisher Sr., a uh, just an absolute staple in, in this athletics department, uh, passed away yesterday at the age of 95. Uh, Josh, Jerry, you guys have been around the athletic department a little more than I have with you know your older years. Um, you know, what, did you, either one of y'all have a relationship with Dr. Fisher? Um, I had met him once or twice. I uh, didn't really know him too well. I'd see him around uh, at the games and stuff, but you know, he was, he, he's kind of like what Herbert Hyman or Robert Trahal were, you know, they've been around for so long and they supported this program for so long and put so much time into showing support for rage occasion athletics. That is just, it, it, they're one of those, they, he's the type of person that it's going to be hard not seeing him around, right. you know, um, big supporter and just, and overall, uh, he bled Vermillion and White, and so uh, Dr. Fisher, and he accomplished a lot in his life, too. Um, mm-hmm. So he's going to be dearly missed. Uh, I thought some prayers go out to uh, the Fisher family, and um, his legacy will live on for many, many, many years to come uh, around that athletic building because he was such a staple for uh, Rage Education Athletics and such a huge supporter. So uh, rest in peace, uh, Dr. Fisher. Yeah, man, thanks for keeping this on the rundown, and, and I, I – I ended up being really good friends with uh, David Jr. He was my neighbor uh, in my in the neighborhood that we used to live in about four or five years ago. Um, I got to know his family well, his three sons, his wife, Nanette. Um, I saw Dave, uh, David Sr. probably three or four times over the course of holiday get-togethers and whatnot. I did not – I had at the time that I met him, I had no idea what he meant to the program and to Lafayette. Uh, but this man was a titan uh, for us, for anybody that knows anything about the name battle, the, the, 
the program as it was. I mean, he wrote an op-ed to the the advertiser that got published about fan support in 2006, uh, and and it went viral for what going viral viral was in 2006. Um, this guy was in World War II. This guy was uh, he's in he was in, he was the president of the alumni association. He was, I mean, dude, I, I could go on and on. He's done everything that you can possibly imagine uh, that had anything to do with this program or Lafayette. You know, right. I, I don't have enough time to say everything I want to say, but David senior was and is, is a huge loss for this program, but he, he just contributed so much over the course of his life. It was a life well lived and we just wanted to honor him and, and say rest in peace because uh, he earned it. So farewell to Dr. David Fisher senior and uh, thoughts are with his family and his son, David junior. No doubt about it. Behind enemy lines is next. Chris Russo of Russo Exploration encourages you to donate to the Ranging Cajun Athletic Foundation. The RCAF, the official fundraising arm of Louisiana Athletics, supports over 400 student-athletes across 16 NCAA sports. You can invest in the RCAF today for as little as $5 a month. Just go to myrcaf.org to get started or call 337-851-RCAF. As always, donations to the RCAF are tax-deductible. Your investment today will enrich the lives of of every athlete that puts on the vermilion and white. Go Cajuns! Welcome back to Region Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Bear. It is time to go behind enemy lines. In the first segment, we talked about Georgia Southern and the firing of Chad Lunsford. We talked about our O-line injuries here at Louisiana. We talked about the University Hall of Fame class for 2021. And we talked some realignment. That's always a, a big topic right now in the G5. Like I said, now it's time to go behind enemy lines. We have a big Western Division matchup this Saturday with the Jags of South Alabama. And what better person to take us behind enemy lines than the enthusiastic, energetic, always fun radio guy for South Alabama, Mr. JT Crabtree. Crabtree excuse me. JT, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, guys. Appreciate you having me on. I, uh, <laughs> you know, our baseball assistant coach, Nick Magnifico, which first off, like top 10 baseball name in the country. Right. Phenomenal sure. Magnifico. <laughs> Mags uh, calls me the electric factory. <laughs> um, so I guess your intro there to me is well, uh, is fitting. You know, it's funny because JT, you and I are friends on Facebook and you will post, you, you set up cameras in the press box. Yeah. And I, I, I love watching your your videos of like touchdown calls and stuff because yeah. obviously you hear the enthusiasm on the radio but nobody gets to see the radio guys like hand motions and stuff he'll sit Dude. there touchdown south alabama and i'm just like i like him <laughs> i like him next time 
if you ever get to the point where South South Alabama gets to a you know a conference championship in football or wins like a big bowl game, you need to bring like confetti and just throw confetti and <laughs> get some firecrackers and just light it up in the press box. You know, no, actually, no, don't do that. But you know, the confetti might work. You know, yeah. No, I, you know, I I always tell people I am a fan first and a broadcaster second. I'm a Mobile guy. I'm a South alum. So I went here. I've been here since the start of football. I've seen every day of the program's history, which is pretty cool to think back on from where we were playing army prep to now playing you guys coming up for a big game this weekend. Um, It's been pretty cool. And it's a, a great, I'm absolutely blessed and fortunate to be in the position I am where I get to call games for my alma mater and literally channel my fandom into a microphone that's strapped to my head all the time. <laughs> so it's it's been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking about this matchup coming up this weekend. You know, JT, you, you kind of gave a little bit about your your history there, but uh, question number one, I always like to ask guys, kind of walk us through your career a little bit. What what got you what got you to this point? Yeah, so I like I said, I'm a Mobile native. Uh, I've lived here since '94, so almost my whole life. Um, went to South. Um, I actually, you know, South wasn't my first choice. I actually wanted to go over near you, near you guys. I wanted to go to LSU out of high school and South offered me more scholarship money. So I stayed home and I did student newspaper stuff for usually how it works. Yeah, always. Right. (laughs) And so I did student newspaper stuff for three and a half years after I did biomedical sciences as my major for two and a half years. So uh, yeah, if you need me to talk about organic chemistry, I'm not your guy. Um, And then while working as a student reporter on newspaper, the student radio station got started and they said, Hey, we need help on our football broadcasts. Can you come do color? I was like, well, shoot, I'm already at the games. I'll yeah, I can hop on the on the radio real quick. I had no clue what I was doing. No, no idea. And I was like, okay, I just, I'll just talk. Right. Obviously I found out it's more than that. Um, and as I kept doing that more and more, I realized I actually liked radio more than print. Uh, my degree is actually in print, but I had a semester left of school and I said, you know what? I don't want to do print anymore. I'll uh, focus on radio. So quit the newspaper stuff focused on radio and the, I graduated from South in the spring of 14, the semester of that spring semester. So in January of 14, South Alabama athletics created the department. I now work for Jaguar sports properties. They were previously an IMG college school went in house, made Jaguar sports properties. They needed a halftime host and engineer for their football games. So they called the lonely guy from the student radio station that was about to graduate hired me. And I just went from there. I went from halftime host to I was the color guy for for baseball um, as a 23-year-old. And I was doing almost all the road games, solo play-by-play, which was terrifying to think back on. I, I don't know what they were thinking, letting me go on the road solo to places like Evansville, Indiana, to do a four-game weekend series was was nuts back then, but it was a lot of fun. I didn't know what I was doing back then. I, you could argue I still don't know what I'm doing now, but um, I've just worked my way up from there, went from doing a little bit of radio here and there to I was the social media coordinator for South Alabama Athletics for a couple of years while also doing women's basketball and softball radio. 
uh, in 17 or 18, excuse me, I moved to football play-by-play, men's basketball play-by-play, was still doing softball. And then this past spring, I moved from softball to baseball. And so here we are now. That's uh, that's the backstory of one JT Crabtree for you. Nice. Um, JT, I kind of wanted to ask you, so you grew up in Mobile, and um, as we all know, really our, our main arch rival at Louisiana in baseball is, of course, South Alabama. And so we always had that respect for the baseball program, but I remember going to games when my cousin played for UL back in the early 2000s, and I remember we went – to Stanky Field before the renovation, when it looked like a high school playground, basically almost. It was just, it was a wooden, like it was all made of wood. I remember it was an old school stadium and it was great for a setting, but it was just a little outdated. And of course, you know, what they built now looks amazing. Um, but I remember back then uh, asking, I think my dad about why doesn't South Alabama get a football program? Um, because you're in Mobile, you're deep south on the I-10 corridor, um, and then lo and behold, two or three years later, I think the board voted on starting football at, at University of South Alabama. Talk a little bit about the evolution of the football program growing up. What were the talks around town in Mobile about getting a football program started? And just talk about what it's evolved into today. Like you said, big game on Saturday night. The team and the program has, has really made a name for itself. I was actually in college at UL, my junior year when, when South Alabama kicked off against the military academies and the what D three schools and uh, seeing how fast the school or the program came up to the Sunbelt and how fast they were able to show some success was amazing. Um, but to the to Cajun fans, how did it happen so quickly? What was the talks and how long were they talking about it before uh, officially kicking off in 2009? You know, they've actually talked about having football here for a long, long time. And it didn't, the first season of competitive football on a field was 2009. But I've heard stories of talks from 1999 where they were pitching ideas of joining potentially an early version of the Pioneer League with teams like University of San Diego being in the same conference and playing that just in football and everything else Sunbelt. So there's been a lot of different iterations of what South Alabama football could have been. And growing up in Mobile, I went to South Alabama baseball games at Stanky Field in those old green wooden bleachers. They're not even bleachers. They were like risers. You brought your own chair to the stadium (laughs) to sit in the stands. It was bizarre. I remember them. Yeah. I remember going there and, you know, seeing alumni games we used to do with Luis Gonzalez would come back and do a home run derby. David Freeze would come back. My kid is growing up. His next door neighbor was John Lieber. And so I got to know John Lieber a little bit through him, which was just mind blowing as a little kid. Um, I remember going to baseball games. I never went to basketball games as a kid, but I remember going to baseball games. I remember South baseball being competitive and good. Really though, if you didn't go to South really until football started around here, no one really talked about them. Even in Mobile, if you went to South or if you had a kid going there, then yeah, you'd follow along. But really there wasn't that super strong core following. There weren't people around Mobile with yard signs with South Alabama Jags. There was a lot of Alabama and Auburn and you'd see sure. you know, maybe some Troy mixed in there too, but there really wasn't a whole lot of South Alabama in Mobile. It was really a, it was just a commuter school until we added football. 
And when I started at South in 2009, that was the first season of football. Enrollment was around, I think, like 12,000. And within four years, it was over 17. And people were coming here, one, to play football, obviously. But two, people had heard about us because of football and wanted to come down here. And so when it was actually very student driven, too, with football, there's a great picture from December of 2007, where the SGA president and the university president are at midcourt of the Mitchell Center. And they told the old president, uh, President Moulton, they said, you know, we want football. We have brought this list of student signatures. We approve an increase in athletic fee for you guys to start football. And they rolled the scroll out literally across the length of the court with student names that had signed, yes, we approve an increase in tuition for football to start. It was, it was, I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. It was a cool moment in South Alabama history. And so that quickly started it where 2008, you start to put together a team and a staff and Joey Jones was, was hired. And there's a great old story of when Joey was hired, he didn't have an office. He had a press conference, but had nowhere to go after the press conference. And so he's sitting on the steps of the Mitchell center calling coaches saying, Hey, do you want to come be a part of this? Do you have a kid that wants to come be a part of this? And actually my, my partner on the football broadcast, Chris may, he's a former offensive lineman for us. He was one of the original Jags. And he tells us all the time about, you know, how did you get recruited down here? And there was no field house. There was no practice field. Obviously there's no Hancock Whitney stadium where I'm coming to you from right now in my office in the North admin building. None of this was here. I'm where I am used to be the intramural fields. There was a locker on a mound of dirt where the field house currently is. And they said there was one practice Jersey, a t-shirt, a hat, and some gloves. And they said, that's the dream. That's where the locker room will be. You can come be a part of building that. And so that was how South Alabama football really got started was they were literally selling guys on a dream. They had nothing to show them when they came on a recruiting visit. They were showing them blueprints and designs and renderings, but they had no actual building or structure (laughs) to show them. It was just, this is what it's going to be. This is what it is right now. We hope you'll come play football for us, please. And, you know, it was an aggressive schedule Um, early on the first season, you know, Army prep, Hargrove, we played Huntington to to end the year. We were playing a bunch of really low-level teams. We were actually playing unclassified. So anyone that played on that first season didn't even – it didn't even count to college eligibility. You could have – it's almost like a Bishop Sycamore of college football, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) So you could have dressed out. You could have just showed up in the locker room. 100%. I could have walked out there. You should have, man. You could have been the the kicker or pretend you're kicking field goals. That'd be one hell of a story. I would have, uh, yeah. Be, you remember, you remember play, that right? time where JT Crabtree kicked a field goal for us? <laughs> I'd probably kick it right in the back of the long snapper's head. I'm, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't we all? <laughs> That's unbelievable. That's such but a yeah, cool story. Yeah, it was, it was very aggressive going from, from nothing to playing you know, Division One football. I remember in 2009, you know, our first ever game is army is Hargrove, excuse me, Hargrove military Academy was our first ever game. We're playing them. And then the next year, Georgia state starts football. We're playing them. We actually, we played Nichols state in our second season as well and beat them pretty good too. 
Yeah, and, I remember that. And thinking just, you know, we're playing these FCS schools and we're competing with them. We're beating them. You know, we didn't lose a game through the first two seasons and two games. We started the program 19-0. and And our first ever loss was our first ever road game, which was at NC State in 2011. So our fans are currently <laughs> joking that we can break out our old still undefeated T-shirts that we sold in 2009 and 2010. <laughs> Hopefully that stays and we can continue saying that after this weekend, it'll be tough, but it's, it's been really cool to see the program go from really, really a no name to going from no football to a a bowl game in 2014. When at the time we were the quickest program to go from no football to bowling and for the first bowl game we ever appear in to be right up the road in Montgomery and the camellia bowl was great. Um, The outcome didn't, wasn't in our favor, unfortunately, but it was, it's, it's been a, a really cool growing of the program to, to witness. You know, I was with the, I traveled with the team as a student reporter in 13 when they went to Tennessee and they were the, we're playing the, the old, it was still, I think it was maybe the last year of like the old Jefferson pilot SEC game. And we're the 11 AM kick against Tennessee. And we, lose by a touchdown. We actually got to the six yard line on fourth and goal going for the touchdown to the tie and we throw a pick. So we had them on the ropes. And I think that was to me, the point where it said, okay, we are a legitimate football program. Maybe, maybe we can actually pull this right, off. Right. So it's been, it's been a fun, uh, weird road, but it's been exciting to watch it grow. Yeah. No, no question about it. And you know, JT, one thing I want to do before we move on yeah. is, uh, you said that you started at South Al in 2009? Yes. Okay. So when you started college, I don't want to make you feel old, but when you That's started co- when you started college, I was 12 years old in the seventh grade. Yikes. Wait a second. Right. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. I in, started in 07. So what does that say in, about in, me? In 2009, I was 12 years old in the seventh grade. Oh, gosh. I was... I don't even remember what year I was in seventh grade. What that's 2007. No, no, no. I can't do math. Let's see what, if you started it. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, 2003. I was in seventh grade. Good was, gracious. See, I was, uh, I was in seventh grade when September 11th happened. I remember going into my seventh grade class that morning. Of course we just went through the anniversary, but man, 20 years ago, I was 12. Oh gosh. Okay. You know what? Let's, <laughs> I, let's move on. I, I was in, I was in, I was in pre-K <laughs> when nine 11 happened, but moving on. Oh. Well, let's uh, yeah, move on. I got let's some, move I got on. Some yeah. hair on the side, right? Here. So, uh. so JT, you were talking to us about Hancock Whitney Stadium, where where you're where you're coming from right now. Give us, you know, some a, a quick audio tour of of Hancock Whitney Stadium, and then as you know, we're about to tackle our own renovation with uh, Our Lady of Lord Stadium at Cajun Field. What has Hancock Whitney Stadium done in terms of fan interest, atmosphere? and just a competitive advantage for South Alabama. Yeah, it's, it's totally different because, um, you know, we played our first several years at LAD. And LAD, you know, if, uh, a big thank you to the City Mobile because without LAD, we don't have football. We don't have a home. And so it served its purpose. Was it the best and brightest and most modern place? No. And But it did, it did the job. You know, we got there. We played football. It had seats. had a press box. There was a field, goalpost, and a scoreboard. We'll, we'll take it. <laughs> but – from going from going from campus down to LAD was at least a 20 minute drive. 
And it's a 20 minute drive through the busiest parts of Mobile through airport boulevard, going across the interstate, going through the, the busiest intersections and then going all the way in downtown and kind of mazing through a neighborhood a little bit just to get down there was, was hard. I mean, it was hard for a fan, but it was hard for me working there and I've got a parking pass and I can be there whenever I want. It's hard for just a regular fan base to get down there. So the fact that now we have a facility on campus where one, our students can literally roll out of bed and walk across the street. It's directly behind the dorms, which is awesome. The dorms are right across the street, right sandwiched between it are the fraternities and sororities. So they can literally have their massive parties, which they've been doing credit to them. They have been showing out and it's been a great student turnout. They've had their parties all the way up till five minutes till kick. They shut down the party and walk across the street. I'm super jealous of them because I wish that was the case when I was a student because it looks like so much fun, guys. It looks like a, a blast. And it's really cool seeing because, you know, we've never had football on campus before. We've never really had tailgating on, on campus before. And so seeing the first two home games of seeing people really learning what to do, like we've got a traffic circle right smack in the middle of campus, and it's full of huge trees. Well, I thought initially, I was like, well, that'd be perfect right there. It's a five-minute walk from campus. It's all shaded. No one's going to bother you right there in the middle. No one tailgates there. No one. Not a single person. But you'll see random places like next to the communications building because there's a bathroom next door. That's where everyone's going to be because there's a bathroom there. Never would have thought about that initially, but it's just kind of a learning process of everything with tailgating. Um, really just the stadium itself is perfect for us. You know, we went from LAD, which was 45,000 seat capacity. We moved to Hancock Whitney, which is 25,450. Yes, it's smaller. And we had a lot of questions about why do you guys move into a smaller stadium? That doesn't make sense. Well, we're not averaging 45,000 fans a game. We're at LAD. We're averaging about 15. We come here. This is our first year full capacity and we've averaged right around 17 a game. And so it's already been better. It's been strong. And it should, obviously, with you guys coming to town, I know y'all will travel very well. We're expecting a big crowd. But the stadium itself is is a great, it, it's a social area. It's a social event. That's what Mobile is. It's a event town. People come out for the event that's going on in town. It's why Mardi Gras is so big. It's why whenever a concert comes to the Civic Center, that's the only life it sees down there because it's the event that's going on. And so when the Jags are playing, it's starting to become the event in town. And people are coming over to campus, but we know that, you know, we're not naive enough to think that you are here only to watch a football game. We know you're probably coming here maybe because your friends go and you want to hang out with your friend. So we made just about every aspect of the stadium social. There's drink rails on both sidelines. There's a open concourse that has bars and everything where you can just stand and hang out. There's tables where you can stand at the top of the concourse, grab concessions and beer and whatnot and still watch the game, the south end zone, the entire thing is just a standing bar. It's just drink rails, the entire south end zone. There's actually a, a giant, it's the Michelob Ultra Terrace is what we call it. And every week they bring in on an 18-wheeler a expandable bar that rolls in off of an 18-wheeler. Oh, I love it's that. Got, it's got HDTVs, it's got bar stools, it's got taps. You can come... We know you're not going to sit there and watch 60 minutes of football. That's fine. We just want you to be inside the place and hang out. Right. And so that's what we've tried to do is just make it 
a social area for folks to come have a good time. And so far it's been working. Uh, the students, like I said, have been showing up. It's been a little rowdy over there um, in spite of even a, a 90 minute light delay that we had last time out against Alcorn state where we had the opening kickoff and the lights wouldn't turn back on, but the students stayed. It's been rowdy. It's been fun. And like, uh, like I said before, we're kind of expecting the same when you guys come to town with the, the white outs. And I'm sure you guys will be wearing all of your red and, and all of its glory. So we'll, uh, it, I, I, I'm excited guys. I, I'm pumped. It's, to me, you know, the, you, you talked about the the rivalry with, with you guys in baseball. To me, you guys are our true rival. And I know that Troy is the football rival, but really I, the perception from our side has been that you guys competitively are 100% our top rival. Yeah, I think there's a mutual respect there, um, especially in baseball. We know one thing that South has done a good job of doing in baseball is maintaining that success and being able to capitalize on it. Um, you know, every time people mention the top few programs in the Sun Belt, it's always going to be Louisiana, South Alabama, and of course now with Coastal coming in, yeah. those are your top three programs consistently. So yeah, I- I'm glad to see, you know, hearing the story about about football and how it came about to seeing what it is now. I just want to let Cajun fans know, and look, JT, you will see some Cajun fans there, me being one of them. Uh, All right. uh, I'm not staying in Mobile, but uh, we're going to be in, on the Gulf Coast in Biloxi and then at the 40-minute drive. We do it all the time. But um, just to let Cajun fans know, uh, JT mentioned about campus. South Alabama has a beautiful campus. It looks very brand new. And so I'm sure, uh, can you let the Cajun fans know um, some good spots uh, as far as tailgating and, and space on where to go before the game? Yeah, absolutely. So, and it's funny because y'all will be really the first folks coming in that, you know, Southern Miss brought a few folks for game one, but y'all be the really first visiting fans to come to campus and tailgate. So that'll be fun. And you guys always come out in full force. You know, I, I have frequented crew to chew when we go over there with you guys (laughs) before every game, I've got to stop over to crew to chew. I got to do do the rooster dance. dance. I got to do the rooster dance every time. So I'm very familiar with y'all's tailgating. I'm looking forward to having y'all over. Um, Really what's nice about campus, like you said, it's nice. It's wide open. It's not huge anywhere you park on campus. It's not going to be a huge walk. We've got shuttles everywhere to bring you to the stadium. There's a lot of trees. There's a lot of green space. We allow any green space anywhere. There's grass. You can tailgate, you can have grills, charcoal, gas, whatever. And we'll let you do really as long as you're not crazy, we'll let you do whatever you want. You know, we want you guys to have a good time. And so the main thing that has been kind of an issue so far is people figuring out where to come into campus. So the way our campus is laid out, it's a giant block. It has its own zip code. And so it's a giant block at the intersection of two main streets. And wherever your parking pass is, whatever it is, There's a designated entry point to campus that you have to come into. If you don't come in there, they're not going to let you go in. So you just have to find the right spot. Really? That's the only trick. There's it's like, like 20 bucks game day parking, I think, or there's free parking with tailgating available up at the Northern part of campus. A $2 shuttle takes you from the free parking to the stadium. So we're, uh, we're still Still trying to figure it out a little bit. If you don't want to tailgate, if you don't want to bring the stuff all the way over and tailgate yourself, there's a sports bar literally across the street from campus called Heroes. It's 
the place on game day to go. There's a mellow mushroom nearby as well. A couple of other restaurants with a voodoo wings. It's very good. Um, so you got some options around campus that uh, won't be packed. Heroes will be pretty busy, but you can find a spot and have a good time and come over and, and enjoy some football. What's nice is because everything is so new, really you can, like I said before, you can kind of do what you want right now and we're not going to stop you because we don't know what works and what doesn't work. And so until it doesn't work, we're not going to tell you not to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's looking to have a good time, and I think that's exactly what we'll all do in Mobile on Saturday. JT, let's talk about Kane Womack, uh, youngest head coach in FBS. He spent the last two years in Indiana as the D.C. under Tom Allen. He was previously, it's a second stint in Mobile. He was the D.C. and linebackers coach under Joey Jones, 16 and 17. You know, take his playing career and where he's coached, you know, he kind of seemed to be an instant success in Mobile. Talk about that transition into the Kane Womack area and how he's been able to attract some top-notch assistants like Major Applewhite. Yeah, well, the uh, the first piece of education on him is it's actually Womack, not Womack. Um, Womack. Even okay. Womack. Womack. Yeah. It Womack. is, okay. it is Womack. spelled Womack, but we actually, the first stint around, we had heard – we weren't for sure because he came to us from Eastern Eastern Illinois. And so we didn't really know a whole lot about him. And he came in and some people are saying Womack, some people are saying Womack. And so we asked him, what is it? And he said, it's Womack. But if you call me Womack, it's fine. All right. Our AD actually just calls him Kane. Cause he, he always, he always keeps getting it mixed up. Hey, that works. I get it mixed up. First name sometimes. basis. There you go. And actually you know, our sideline reporter, instead of, you know, Deion Sanders wouldn't take this, but he always, Hey, we've got Kane down here, but you know, coach prime is a, uh, is another animal. Um, yeah. Kane has been, he's been great. I got to know him really well. His first time around when he was defensive coordinator, because I actually, as part of our pregame show, I do an interview with the offensive and defensive coordinator before every game. And so I got to know him really well back then when he left, um, you know, we knew that he was going to do some good things just from his dad's pedigree and what he had done here. He'd done a, a really good job in a short amount of time. And so when he left and went to Indiana, all of us down here kind of, you know, we kept following him. We were watching what Indiana was doing. And then last year when Indiana exploded, we're like, man, this is great for Kane, isn't it? How, how awesome is it that a great guy like Kane is having so much success right now? And so it keeps going on, keeps going on, and you know we're getting near the end of the Steve Campbell era last year, and you know there's the chatter of are we going to make a change? Are we are we you know coach still got another year left? Or what are we going to do? And the resounding thought was no, we you know we'll let him come back, we'll uh, we'll finish out the contract, whatnot, and evaluate next year or whatever, and then obviously we make a move. And immediately our, everyone in the office was like, well, I hope we can get Kane like that. How great would that, if we could bring him back, do you think we'll bring him back? And honestly, a lot of us, we wanted him back, but we didn't know if we'd bring back Kane. And sure enough, I mean, he was calling number one. He was, and he wanted to be down here. He's talked about, this is his dream job. When he was here as DC, he used to walk where now the stadium is, but back then the intramural fields, he would walk around and, dream and visualize of the stadium being built there and what it would be like to coach there. And so 
you know, there was concern from us because obviously Southern Miss had a job opening as well. He played at Southern Miss. His wife went to Southern Miss, and that's where they met. There were a lot of ties there. And we said, oh, man, that'd be kind of weird if Kane took the Southern Miss job and his first, his first game is coming here. And obviously it worked out to where he's coming to us. But he's been great. He's been tremendous. You know, youngest head coach in the FBS. It's, it's very clear that he's energetic, he's passionate. And you know, from the first day of fall practice, you could tell that everything was different. Everything was run differently. Practice was streamlined. The players, just the way they reacted to him was different. You know, the spring game, he didn't want to do an, a traditional spring game. He wanted actually me on the field as a on-field MC talking to him, you know, coach, what are we doing here? What are these guys doing? And then he'd break it up in the middle of a pass skeleton and say, all right, we're going to do a, a big man competition where the offensive linemen have to catch a punt now. It was just, he, he wanted to do different fun things. And actually the whiteout this weekend was his idea. He wanted to put together a whiteout, wanted to put together just some form of a tradition because as we've been talking, we're such a young football program and especially young on campus. Our program has been a little limited of what we could do at LAD. But now that we've got full control of whatever we want to do at Hancock Whitney Stadium, Kane has been all in on it. You know, from the the helmet decals, the September 11th one that we wore up at Bowling Green, the battleship blue uniforms that we wore last time out against Alcorn State. He wants to incorporate Mobile into everything. The the helmet, I don't know if you guys saw, the helmet had a battleship decal down the sides of it. The practice jerseys have a battleship on the back of it as well. He loves Mobile, man. I mean, and as a Mobile native, that this just resonates to my soul because I love everything that he's been doing. Like it's a, a team hashtag of hashtag our city. He brought the LEO down here as well. It's just, it's a lot incorporated in mobile that he's brought to this program. And there's been a lot of buy-in in the city too. There's been a lot of energy in the city that I haven't seen in a while. You know what you guys need in that case to add mobile. When you take, when you take the field, have a tunnel and have white brick, like the I-10 tunnel. Mobile, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Every time I think of Mobile as a kid, I think of the it's I-10 the tunnel. tunnel. So you, yeah. it's you the just tunnel. add the uh, the white brick tunnel, like on, on, on I-10 when y'all take the field. Just do that, and you know, we really want to incorporate Mobile, right? So that's true. <laughs> that's true. I've never thought about, but you're right. You know, and I never even think about the tunnel because I've lived here for so long. I, I just okay, that's the tunnel. It's how you get over across the bay. When my <laughs> when my wife moved down here, she's from Auburn, and she was you know. Her, her family sometimes is freaked out by going through the tunnel. I'm like, guys, it's just a strip of road. It just goes, it's just like kind of in caps. It's, it's fine. It's the same road you were just on a second ago, but whatever. The traffic is awful in the tunnel. So Always. I don't know, maybe, Always. maybe we don't, <laughs> maybe we don't want the tunnel in the stadium because then our players would somehow get gummed up and just fall over each other or something <laughs> crazy like that. It's synonymous with tunnels and mobile. Yeah. So it's almost like it's, that has to happen. Uh, it, it's brutal. But you know, uh, before I go to my next question, War Dam Eagle. That that's fine. That's First fine. of all, uh, <laughs> War, War Dam Eagle, uh, JT. You know, uh, let's get into the football team now. Obviously, yeah. you guys have started three and zero this year with wins over Southern Miss, Bowling Green, Alcorn State. Uh, the the big name on on your roster this year is obviously Jake Bentley. Uh, started his career at South Carolina, did pretty well there. Moved on to Utah, did pretty well there. And now he's at South Alabama, more than likely recruited by Major Applewhite. Um, 
you know, he continues to improve under this offense. He just had his best game as a Jag, nearly 300 yards, two touchdowns. What are you seeing out of Bentley? What are you seeing out of the team? You know, Bentley is, and it's funny because he was, I believe, the first transfer that Kane brought in. And Kane was actually the driving force on recruiting him, too. Major had a big part in it, but Kane was really the, the main guy that went and got him. Um, this program, since it has started, has really struggled to have a QB1. There's always been a QB1A and a 1B. And last year, even last year, it was Desmond Trotter and Chance Lovertich. Um, In 2014, it was mostly Brandon Bridge, but because of injuries, we saw some other guys mixed in there. 13 was Ross Matheny and Brandon Bridge. 12 was Ross Matheny, Brandon Bridge, C.J. Bennett. I mean, you go back every year, it's seemingly been a two-horse race for quarterback, and you don't know who your quarterback's going to be week in and week out. Bentley provides the stability at honestly one of the most important positions in any sport. He provides the the stability that we've never had here. We've never had an experienced quarterback. We've never had an experienced just game manager who knows how to play football and not make mistakes, know to make the right decisions, know when to take a sack, when to throw the ball away, when to check it down to someone, not to force anything. He's done a great job. Uh, he, you know, he got he's been a little bit banged up, but I mean, shoot, the guy's playing his on um, it feels like his 14th year of college football. He's gonna be banged up, he's gonna be sore, he's not gonna have his best day of practice here and there. But the dude's a gamer. Um, he he really provides the stability that we need, and especially with the new staff and so much change. You really wanted a guy who could really step in immediately and give you confidence in every play you know i feel good about every decision that jake bentley is going to make i i think he's going to make the right decision he's not going to force anything and i think that's been the biggest thing for bentley and what's nice too is he and actually jalen tolbert had a previous relationship where they worked out together at the manning passing academy they've done the, the quarterback country stuff that is here in mobile so when bentley arrived on campus he and Tolbert have almost been inseparable. They hang out all the time. They watch film together. They play video games together outside of football. So it's been a it's been a nice addition and a, a really needed one for a new staff and a newer team. You know, JT, you talked about um, Jake Bentley's presence, um, how he sort of created a name for himself at quarterback, a staple, if you will, for South Alabama's offense. But without without receivers to throw to. Are you really a good quarterback, right? And that's one thing that he's had help with. Um, I had the chance to watch uh, the highlights of the uh, the Jaguars when they took on uh, Southern Miss in week one. Very impressed by the passing game. It seemed like South Alabama's passing game that night looked like an air raid uh, with the help of Jalen Tolbert as well as uh, Colin Lacey and tight end Lincoln. Sefik? Uh, How do you pronounce his last Sef-sick. name? Sefik. <laughs> All these fancy schmancy names, man, oh, for yeah. the Jaguars. But with those guys, it, it, you know, the, the, the passing threat of the Jaguar offense is, is pretty impressive. Um, I, I know the Cajun secondary is going to have their work cut out for them uh, Saturday night. But talk a little bit about the passing game, um, the receivers, as well as, um, as well as you know, just the, the entire skill positions that gives Jake Bentley the help that he needs to make this uh, offense effective. 
Yeah, the the passing game is really what we do best. And Jalen Tolbert, Colin Lacey, Jalen Wayne, Sefcik has been mixed in there in the last three years under Steve Campbell. The the tight ends weren't even called tight ends; they were called superbacks, which was basically a sixth offensive lineman. We never ever threw to a tight end, and so having Sefcik is a, a very much welcomed addition. Um, the passing game, honestly, it hasn't been as used as much as I thought. Uh, honestly, I thought we would pass more in spite of the fact that we're passing as much as we are. Uh, someone actually asked me before game one, you know, percentage wise, how much will we be pass run? And I said, honestly, probably 65 to 70% pass. You know, it's what we do best. I don't know what we've got with Kareem Walker running back transferring in. I've seen Terry on Avery. He's never been a feature back. Brian Hill, we saw him in spring ball, and we didn't really have a featured running back. So I knew we were going to rely heavy on the pass. But, man, Jalen Tolbert is, is something special, guys. And he's, he's a great talent. He's a good dude. What's nice for us is he's a mobile guy, wants to stay in mobile as long as he can, wants to represent the city as much as he can, and he had an opportunity during the offseason to transfer out there. There were rumors that Auburn was trying to get him to enter the portal and come up there, and you know, he, he would have played up there, would have done some, some good things. But he said, no, I don't want to go anywhere. I, I'm where I want to be. I want to stay in Mobile. I want to represent for, for Mobile. And having a, a local guy say that and have success and now potentially be a, a pretty high draft pick coming up next spring is – it's pretty special. He makes our offense go, and somehow he doesn't have a touchdown yet this year. It's really not a single wide receiver has a touchdown this season, which is very bizarre. Uh, we've had a tight end with a touchdown, and our running back, Kareem Walker, has scored just about every other touchdown. But we haven't had a one of our multi-talented wideouts with a touchdown yet, which has been strange. You know, Colin Lacey, you were talking about him another mobile guy who was at faith Academy about a five minute drive from campus here. He was a high school running back had 1800 yards rushing his senior year as a running back. And then they moved him to wide out. And now he's actually being used as a wide out and a running back. So that's exciting to see a younger guy from mobile, do some good things. Uh, Jalen Wayne is from across the Bay in Spanish fort. So seeing local guys have production is exciting and especially on as big of a scale as Jalen Tolbert's been doing. You know, we're, we're talking, we talked about Kane Womack earlier. We talked about some coaches um, and we've talked about skill players on, on the team as well. One guy I want to talk about is Corey Batoon, the defensive coordinator. I mean, I've heard this guy's name for years and years now. He's just one of those got to have him on your staff kind of guys, uh, you know, spent some time at Ole Miss guided the defense through the glory years at FAU uh, made had one of the best defenses in Hawaii's history while he was there as the D.C., and then he was at Liberty most recently. You know, always seems to have a solid defense under his belt, and this year at South Alabama is no exception. It, it almost seems like everywhere he goes, he either continues the success or improves the defense. From a guy like you that gets to see him day in and day out, gets to watch what he does, why is that? Yeah, he's just, he's a, <laughs> how do I describe it? He's such an easy guy to relate to and talk to and just hang out with. And, you know, a lot of times when you deal with with 
college sports in general, but especially with coaching staffs, it's kind of like, here's your bubble here. This is your staff and you deal with everyone outside of the bubble that you need to as needed. Uh, I don't feel like that's the way with Corey Batoon. I feel like he's just a, a regular guy that you can talk to about anything. You know, I have a weekly interview with him for our pregame show. I actually talked to them earlier today. I host a radio show on Tuesdays and he was our guest today and we had some tech issues. We couldn't get him on the phone. And immediately when we finally got him on the phone, he said, yeah, you know, whatever guys, no big deal. I, uh, um, you want to talk football? That's fine. Yeah. Call me whenever we'll, we'll make it work. And you know, it, it, a lot of times it's easy for a, a football coach with their, big time schedules and high uh, time dedications that they'll say, forget this. I'm not going to, you know, I'll hang up the phone and you guys can figure it out without me. Um, he's done such a good job in such a small amount of time and his familiarity with the, the swarm defense as Kane calls it with the four, two, five that his dad and, you know, Gary Patterson and, um, there's one other person in there that's there's a big three of me always mentions and I can't remember, but there's three of them that really kind of perfected the four, two, five. And Corey's been running that at Hawaii. He was helping with that at Liberty. He worked with Kane's dad, Dave up at Ole Miss. So he's really got this four, two, five perfected. And when I see him at practice, he's never screaming at a guy. He's always really the whole coaching staff, but coach platoon in particular He's sitting there teaching football. He's not screaming at you. You're supposed to be over here and whatnot. It's no, Hey, come over here. Why'd you come do this? No, no, no. You're supposed to do this because this guy does that. And I think the guys, the players respect him just from the fact that he's not, he's not trying to drill football into him. He's just really, he's trying to make them better. He's trying to teach them football and shoot. I learned from football. I learned football from him because he'll sit there and he's one of the coaches that'll, if he wants to explain something to you, he'll hop up on the whiteboard and draw it out for you and show what happened, which as a broadcaster, I super appreciate visualizing, seeing what the coaches are talking about. But if you haven't seen a defensive coach draw on a whiteboard, it's super bizarre because they draw it upside down. You ever think about that? They're drawing the offense <laughs> down instead of going up the field is super bizarre. <laughs> but it's like the upside really, down. <laughs> it's totally upside down. It's, it's completely wrong. <laughs> But really, I think just the personality that Coach Batoon has is what makes him such a good coach everywhere he's been so far. Yeah, JT, um, before we let you go, and thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. Um, A lot of great, great, great information and very excited to kind of spend some time with you learning about the South Alabama football program. But um, this weekend, a big game for the Jaguars. I know, you know, of course, we're coming to town, baby. The Cajuns are on their way. Oh, yeah. Um, I know there's a lot. Well, first of all, it's more of a two-part question, but um, what is your overall impression so far? Uh, with this new coaching staff first, you know, you have a three and O start on the year. I'm sure there's a lot of excitement in mobile. And also what are your impressions of this upcoming game against the Cajuns? What do you see with the Cajuns? What are your expectations? And as far as atmosphere goes, you said there's going to be a whiteout. is, would you say this is more of an exciting game for the South Alabama fans against the Cajuns compared to Southern Miss? Like what, what is the vibe we're getting here in mobile for this upcoming game on Saturday? I would probably say this is our biggest home game since 2014. That's what I like to hear. Yeah. That's what I like to hear. 
and I'm not just hyping it up because Jesus. I'm talking with you guys. I love it. I love it. <laughs> No, really, no, no pressure, Billy Napier. No pressure. Yeah. No, that's a compliment to <laughs> us. Understand? Look, we, yes. we haven't been winning forever. We haven't been winning forever, so we'll take that as a compliment. Yeah, this is our this is our biggest game since 2014. When our biggest home game, rather, since 2014, when we hosted Texas State in like early November, and the winner of that game basically locked a bowl berth, and we wow. want to go to our first bowl game. For us, this is our first real test. Um, did we expect to be 3-0? and Maybe we wanted to be, obviously. But you look at it on paper going into the season, you see, you know, Southern Miss, okay, toss-up. You know, they've got a new coach. We've got a new coach. We beat the brakes off them at their place last year. I know they're going to want some payback coming back to our place. You know, okay, you get that one. We're terrible on the road. We've been horrible on the road historically. We have to go all the way up to Bowling Green, who's the team that actually beat us in the 2014 Camellia Bowl. Okay, we want a little bit of pay. That's right. We want some revenge. We want a little bit of payback. (laughs) Seven years overdue. We're coming up to Bowling Green, Ohio to get it, and we play terrible. We played absolutely garbage football, but we figured out a way to win, and that's something that this program usually doesn't do. If we play bad, the result is bad. We have not had ugly wins in this program's history. And then the week after we come back home, we're playing an FCS and you're down at the half to Alcorn state who didn't even practice for two days of the week because they didn't have trainers because of COVID. So we're, we're kind of, and we also had the 90 minute delay at the start of it because the lights wouldn't turn off the stadium. So we're kind of freaking out a little bit, but you're three and O and you'll take it. You're three and O for the first time as an FBS team. A win is a win is a win. That's right. You'll take it. You'll absolutely take it. So now you're 3-0. and You're halfway to bowl eligibility, which we've only been to two bowl games in our program's history. We've lost them both. Which, by the way, did you know that we apparently have a 2016 runner-up trophy from the Arizona Bowl? Who wants that? Hmm. That's <laughs> you a, lost that's, a football a, game. Here's a trophy. That's a great doorstopper. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, there was... Go play there's in a, the tunnel. There's a there's a local there's a local high school here in Lafayette that is is known for winning championships, and I remember I've become kind of family friends with this coach, and I remember a couple years ago they it was the first time that he had gone to a state championship game and lost, and he took the state runner up trophy, and he used it as a doorstopper. <laughs> I kid you get, not. He used it as a doorstop. We, uh, I don't know where that trophy is. It used to be displayed. It is not displayed anymore. So I don't know. It could be a doorstop for all I know now. Sign, uh, sign of a new program displaying runner-up trophies. At the, that's right. Hey, hardware's hardware, baby. So we're three and zero now, and we're halfway to bowl eligibility. And you know the the goal is you know win a Sun Belt championship, go to a bowl game, win a bowl game. So this is just part of the stepping stone. But we know if we want to get to a Sunbelt Championship game, you've obviously you've got to win your division. You've got to win the West. The West runs through you guys. And if we're going to get there, we've got to go through you guys this coming weekend. And so that's part of why we've got the wideouts. You know, that's why we're expecting a big crowd. Like I said before, I think you know, the majority of South fans in general are baseball fans or basketball fans from the 70s and 80s. And most of our fans know the rivalry with you guys 
more than anybody else. And so for a lot of the older fans in Mobile, this is rivalry Saturday for them. And so it should be, it should be electric. You know, it's going to be a night game. It, the weather looks great right now. And we've, (laughs) we're doing everything we can to get people down here. We're hoping for, we had just over 20,000 for the first game against Southern Miss. We're hoping for more. We hold 25,000. And with you guys traveling with your fan base coming over, I, I mean, I have not been more excited. I, I told people at the start of the season, I've never been more excited for a season of Jags football since we started football in 2009 when Kane Womack started this year. I've never been excited for a single football game since probably the 2014 Camellia Bowl. Yeah, I, I am absolutely pumped for what is coming up on Saturday. Win or lose, it's going to be a phenomenal game day down south. And yeah, I, I can't wait for it, guys. I, I am so looking forward to having <laughs> a big-time football game on campus, which we've never done before. So it should be a whole lot of fun. Well, we're very happy for, for you um, as far as getting that stadium. Um, you know, the, to have it on campus like that, to create that type of scenery and setting, especially where you just started the football program 12 years ago and just seeing how far the program has evolved so quickly – um, as a Cajuns fan, I'm looking at it going, well, first of all, it's way overdue. Uh, that should have happened way back when. Better now than never. But also, it's so great to see because for us as, as fans, that's another team on our schedule, you know, for road trips and stuff that, you know, it's a four-hour drive straight interstate right yep. down the road to Mobile. I mean, look, yep. as Louisianians, Mobile has been very, very friendly to us when we go on our way to the beach, to Gulf Shores and Pensacola. Destin, yeah, that's the, Panama. That, that, that's the point that's of the, that's the point of the drive where you're like, all right, we can make it. Yeah. Right. When you go we get to the tunnel, tunnel. see that's, that's the significance of the tunnel. When you get under the tunnel, you start seeing the Mobile Bay and that body of water, you know, you're getting close. So, um, you know, it's, it's exciting to see um, Mobile uh, hyped up for this game. It's exciting to see Mobile hyped up for this football team. And, and it's well-deserved. And I know for you, JT, being, you know, a former student and seeing this program start from scratch, I, I mean, I, I can't be happier for you to be able to experience this not only as an alum, but as their play-by-play. That must be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's really special for, for me because I get to, like I said before, I get to call games for, for my alma mater. I really am just a fan with a microphone in front of me. Um, <laughs> I, I try and have as much fun as I can up in the booth without going crazy. You know, I know that there's, there's that, you know, that, that proverbial box that I've got to stay in as the professional, but I try and expand that box as much as I can. And really, again, I know what it's like to be down in the stands. You know, I was a super fan as a student and whatnot. You know, I'll, I'll turn the camera here. You can't see on the podcast, but, that is that is my getup I used to wear as a student <laughs> in the student section. It's framed in in my office, and that's awesome. That personality inside me just comes out on a headset, and so I get a really cool connection with our fan base because I'm just one of them. I'm not a guy who was assigned a school from a big time company out of New York or whatever. I'm a, I'm a hometown kid and this is my hometown team and I'm, I'm here cheering on the red, white, and blue. Yeah, that's fantastic. Like I said, I have a lot of respect for you. have a lot of respect for the South Alabama football program. Uh, looking forward to one hell of a game Saturday night, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. 
JT Crabtree has been our guest. JT, man, we appreciate you joining us, and uh, we hope you have one hell of a call Saturday night if we don't get to talk to you beforehand. Yeah, appreciate you uh, having me on, guys. I, I can't wait to to have you guys in town. I'm really I'm looking forward to seeing because you guys travel so much as a fan base. I'm really looking forward to seeing what the reception is of our stadium. I love showing it off to people. I love when people come into town and I get to give tours of the stadium. And so I'm so looking forward to uh, having some new folks check out the new digs. And uh, like you said, should be a should be a heck of a football game coming up on Saturday. Definitely. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to see that stadium. Uh, like I said, I'm leaving first thing Saturday morning, so um, I'm, I can't wait to ooh and ah when I walk into Hancock Whitney Bank. Yeah, man. Yeah, it should be a it should be a whole lot of fun. I, I know that. You know, I talked with Jay Walker earlier, and he said, "You know, I'm looking forward to the fact that the windows open in the in the press box <laughs> instead of <laughs> what they did it or did not do. Did not do it, Lad Peebles. At, at Lad. <laughs> so it's just just little things like that. And we we've, we've done a I will say we've done a, a great job with the stadium, and I'm really looking forward to hopefully having close to a packed house on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely looking forward to it. Once again, seven o'clock ESPN Plus Saturday night from Hancock Whitney Stadium in Mobile." We'll take a break right here, and when we come back, David Schultz of WNSP in Mobile will join us to go to stay behind enemy lines, should I say. Uh, He'll give us a breakdown of the Jags, and we'll talk about his time here in Acadiana. Don't go anywhere. Rage and Review will be right back after this. Schilling Distributing Company, Acadiana's top alcohol distributor for over 70 years, has been a proud supporter of Louisiana athletics for many of those years. Now, they've kindly decided to become the exclusive distributing sponsor of the Rage and Review podcast. This is just another chapter in Schilling Distributing's rich history of giving back to the Lafayette community. Starting as an Anheuser-Busch exclusive distributor, they're now expanded to include local brews for your sipping pleasure. Schilling services over 1,500 local businesses throughout the Acadiana area, employing 160 Ragin' Cajun residents, and they boast over 1,400 years of combined experience. Corporately headquartered right here in Lafayette at 2901 Moss Street, Schilling Distributing encourages Cajun Nation to enjoy their beverages responsibly and reminds you to download the Liquid Finder app today. Welcome back to Rage and Review. Matt Miguez, Jerry Bear, We are now joined with Man About Town, Mr. Josh Jagno. We just sat down in the last segment with JT Crabtree, the radio play-by-play guy for South Alabama, took us behind enemy lines, told us some great stories about Kane Womack, the atmosphere at Hancock-Whitney Stadium, and gave us some interesting details on the football program now we're going to have a little bit more of a laid-back conversation with a good buddy. We're going to go behind enemy lines 
2.0 with the man, the myth, the legend, Dave Schultz of 105.5 WNSP out of Mobile. Schultzy. How's it going, guys? Welcome back, buddy. First of all, I got an issue with JT Crabtree. Yes, sir. I'm here for it. First of all, JT does a great job. I don't know how much you were paying. They went on a little run, winning the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, and then thrashing Florida uh, in their own stadium uh, before succumbing uh, and losing the regional. But JT won the local award for best host. Do we know what the name of JT's show is? JT doesn't host a show. He's the radio play-by-play guy. I'm pissed. I'm not happy. Schultz is salty. <laughs> He's a great play-by-play guy. Give him the play-by-play award. Dropping bombs on. 35 seconds in. No, he, he just does a great job. He just doesn't host a show. I'm he not saying I would have won. Ball. I'm not saying I would have won. I would have. But he has <laughs> <a> show, <so. laughs> Dave, Dave just wants oh, some love. Man. That's all. Just a little love, right? All right, Dave. Let's just let's just go ahead and jump right into it. Let's talk about your time in Acadiana. Um, obviously, while you were here with with one hundred three seven, the game, right? You were you were very much a truth teller. Uh, you 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 were kind of like us. You know, you didn't really hide behind the the. Cajun colored glasses. You, you told it how it was. If the team wasn't playing well, the team wasn't playing well. Um, and, and a lot of people in this area didn't like that. Same reason why a lot of people in this area don't really like us. <laughs> talk, talk about your time in Acadiana and, you know, just a general overview of, of what went down. Well, I had a, I had a great time uh, in, in Acadiana. I went back home to Syracuse and I explained to uh, the, the voice of the Orange Matt Parks class at Newhouse you know, in Syracuse, when you do sports talk, local kind of ends when Syracuse's basketball season ends. In South Louisiana, you have football, basketball, softball, and baseball. Uh, so I know, I know you guys are going to like. Well, I mean, I walk in and and UL is the number one team in the nation. Of course, they lose to Eastern Illinois, but that's a different story. Uh, you know, so I didn't even know what I was talking about. I wasn't even talking about the, the school across the basin. You know. My first year there, I didn't have any idea. And eventually you learn uh, what's going on. And so I, I just had, I had a really good time. You know, I mean, there's there was about like, you know, one week in there. You know, like in 17, you know, LSU goes to the last second to last day of the year losing to Florida, right? And so I got to come up with, and then we talk about that the next week. Then I go on vacation for 10 days. Then I got SEC media days. Then I got Sunbelt media day. Then there's like a baseball all-star game in there. I got to come up with one week of material before the end of July and football camp starts again. So there's not, it's it's so much better down there because also, let's be honest, right? In, in Baton Rouge, they don't talk a whole lot of occasions. I know Napier goes on the radio there once in a while, but there I got to talk about, you know, in, in Lafayette, I got to talk about the Cajuns. I got to talk about LSU. I got to talk about the Saints uh, and the Pelicans. Plus, I got into high school. I wasn't, you know, the high school stuff was over my head when I first got there. So, you know, once I settled in, you know, in year two and year three, really poked up on it. And, you know, that first year, goodness, they they went to a bowl game for the third time in a row. They went to the NCAA tournament 
for the first time in about a decade. Softball went to the College World Series, and the Cajuns hosted a Super Regional for the first time ever. That's not, that's a pretty good first year. Right? That's a pretty solid year. I wasn't short of talking about anything for a while. And then, you know, a couple of years later, the Astros get good. We start carrying them on 103.7 the game. That was a good idea. They go on to win a World Series. So that certainly helped the ratings. Um, so I, I had a really good time. I was perpetually tired. I ne- I will say that. I don't have any problem saying that. I never got used to working six to nine. I ne- I got up early and worked out, uh, but I never got used to it. I would take a nap in the middle of the day, especially if there was occasions game. Um, so I was perpetually tired, but I, I had a great time, and it, it's, a, it's a great town. Um, I'm not sure what's happened. I know the economy has taken a hit there with oil and gas because – you know, my first time there, you know, it's like the fair is there for a Cajuns game, right? And there are four, let's admittedly, there are 40,000 people tailgating there. And now that's just, I, I don't know if it came back this year. Uh, I certainly wasn't there for the, you know, 16, 17, and 18, and and, and 19, and, and, you know, last year was COVID. So, you know, so, you know, disappointing in that, but for whatever reason, that's just, that's just the case. And so I, I, you know, made fun of it because being the Yankee and I'm told, you know, South loves football, you know, they pack the stadiums. Well, there's reasons why, you know, 25 and 28,000 is a good crowd for the Cajuns, right? We'd like it to be 40, but 25 and 28 is, is pretty good. And it just hasn't gotten there yet. South Alabama, you know, they don't have one SEC team they got to deal with, right? So this South Alabama Cajuns game's kicking off at, at seven. Well, two, 2.30 is Alabama and Ole Miss. And then at eight o'clock is Auburn LSU. And we all saw it. If the Cajuns are playing a six o'clock game and LSU is playing an eight o'clock game, half the stadium leaves at halftime. Now they could be going out to their tailgate and have LSU on one TV. And now you get UL on another TV, but that's just, that's just the way it is. You can't really change that. Um, and then South Alabama needs to somehow get people to come. They change the date of the Iron Bowl. They figure out whenever the Iron Bowl is and they, they move it. They don't even bother trying to time it. they, they're playing on Friday. They're playing on Black Friday when the Iron Bowl is on Saturday. Um, so they make the proper adjustments there. Uh, I, I, I just had a good time, and, and you know, I, I, I missed my buddy, uh, Tony Robichaud. I got his poster in my office. and Bob Marlin is, is you know, has got a great sense of humor. Um, and I just, I just I miss the people there. I, I miss the people there. They're, they're really, really passionate. I think it took me all of a week, maybe two weeks when I first got there. I didn't even know I was walking into it. Started the whole Louisiana Lafayette, Raging Cajuns. What's the name of the school? What's the name of the athletic program? I didn't even, I, I hit the hornet's nest on that one. Although as far as I was concerned, it gave me like three days of topics. And I think it even gotten in the newspaper what the name was. So <laughs> um, I, I missed my time there. It was, it was a, it was a great time. And certainly overall, I mean, even when the football team, you know, struggled, it still got to a bowl game that lost to Southern Miss, right? I mean, Anthony Jennings is playing on a bad ankle. Eli McGuire is all banged up, and they still got to a bowl game uh, with a goal line stand against Arkansas State. So um, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and um, I'm looking forward to this weekend's game. I love the way Matt framed that question, and he said it was a truth teller in you, and. I mean, to a point, some people were like, why does Dave hate the Cajuns? And I remember that vividly, and it was fun. Uh, as as the resident smartass, you know, I really 
I really came to appreciate your style. I knew why you did what you did. You didn't have a problem saying the truth, even if it was going to piss off like 70% of your listeners. So <laughs> I, I liked that. I, I did. Um, well, I I'm have, a, I, so I'm an unabashed homo. Okay. 100%. You know, I, you know, you know where my, I even got talked to by LSU. What are you talking about? I'm like, the only time I'm rooting against LSU is when they're playing Syracuse. Right. right? So so here, I'm rooting for Alabama to win. I'm rooting for Auburn to win, and I'm rooting for South Alabama to win. When I'm in Lafayette, I'm rooting for the Cajuns, and I'm rooting for LSU. And usually those things don't diverge. Um, you know, probably rooting for the more of the underdog, right? I don't think – you know, I know they won it in the in – the, you know, when LSU came to the park, you know, they got a big win – and then a last at bat, right? Baseball game. Yeah. Sure. But I, that that's super regional with LSU and the Cajuns is probably the best sporting event, mostly because the Saints lost the NFC championship game. If the Saints won the NFC championship game, that would have been the best sporting event. But when 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 LSU hosted the Raging Cajuns, did you guys go to that series? That was 2015, right? I, I was there. Yeah. Was that it? I yeah. was there. Uh, yeah. 2015. 2015. On it was like Saturday. 10, it was 10 deep on the concourse. Yeah. Right. It was it, intense. Not tickets. It was 10 deep. There uh, were, I remember that game like where there were more Cajun fans tailgating outside of Alex box because they couldn't get in. We were able to right. get in. Right. And it was, I mean, you, there were probably just as many Cajun fans tailgating outside of sure. Alex box as there were LSU fans because all the LSU fans were in the stadium in the stadium. And so and the hype leading up to it was fantastic. Was it awesome. was a lot of fun. Right. It was and a great atmosphere. overall. Ken Hopper over the mound and right over the second base bag. To, to that the ended the series, man. That ended oh, the God. series. Um, oh. But I was at other super regionals, right? I went to an LSU Southern Miss super regional and there's the Southern Miss in that far. And it wasn't, it, you know, if, if you wanted to stand up and watch on the concourse, you could when in that series, that's the best. That was the best um, thing I went to other than, I guess I was at when, when uh, UL won the Sunbelt conference tournament in basketball, that was pretty neat. I mean, that, that was, that was, I mean, was fantastic. That was, that was awesome. Ridiculous thing. Right. And Babalu fell down, got up, and feeds Peyton the basketball. I mean, what what was that? Right? I mean, uh, ridiculous. Yeah. Um, that team was something else, man. That really was. It really was. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I don't know what you mean by the truth teller. So I'm an unabashed homer. It does it does me no good for the teams to lose or harp on the teams losing, right? I mean, Hudspitz over here coaching high school football, still recruiting, by the way crazy um but you know so he never could develop anybody after terry after after terrence bradshaw right that was the problem with the program i mean there were some you know other other problems that i don't think were in his control right if the team beats up one of their own players for the guy you know getting physical with a physical trainer i'm not sure that that's hudspitz fault yeah there was a few of those type situations right right and so you know the video that came out also probably not the coach's fault we're still feeling the effects of that yeah is that what the culture is but he just couldn't he just couldn't get a quarterback to play the way he needed him to play and so what happened happened and 
you know, Billy, it's going to be interesting. I'm, I'm very interested to see Billy Napier stick around there for a little bit. We may have, we may or may not have been on the phone with one or two of you <clears throat> over the last couple off seasons where he was may or may not have ended up. I think he was interested. At least they were talking to him about the Auburn job. Um, and he bypassed on that and he bypassed on Mississippi state, I think a couple of years ago, uh, and maybe even Ole Miss, um, but I, w- I want to see what he can do because he's still he's still coaching a lot of the Hudspits old player Levi Lewis is old player, right? The offensive lines that he had in nineteen, at least in nineteen, was Hud's players. Dotson and, and Hunt were both Hud recruits. Yeah. yeah, a lot of those guys are you know some on the defense may still be Hud's players, and I want to know if if and so Billy's really adapted to what he's got, right? He is a He's an absolute run first, but he, you know, I didn't even realize how impressive the numbers were. Two years in 2019, they rushed for 257 yards a game. Yeah, a game. Now they're down to 150 yards a game. Uh, and that probably has a lot to do with, you know, Kevin Dotson is no longer there and Robert Hunter no longer there. I mean, you know, there's a plenty of talented offensive linemen in the Sun Belt, but how many Sun Belt teams have two NFL players on them? Right, well, right next to each other in, in the not, offensive line. So not to mention to see if, if Napier sticks around and you know, do you see an Alabama type offense if he has those kind of players moving forward? And not to mention adding on to what you just said about the offensive line. Look, the, we, we just lost both of our starting running backs to the NFL. I mean, how many G five right. schools have that? I mean, some of these right. some G five schools have one running back that, you know, every five or six years you may get one if you're lucky. The Cajuns had both of their running backs go to the pros. Very tough to do. Um, and go back, I, I and go think, back to, you know, all three of them. If you go back to the yeah. 19 team, all three Raymond of them. Pros. Yeah, all and that's correct. He was up for the Rams. And he was, that's he correct. Was, so, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you're I, right. They, they had some, they had some really good players and all those guys were recruited by Hudspeth. So, I it'll think, be interesting to see. I know Napier's had some good recruiting classes, uh, but we'll see what happens uh, when Levi moves on. If Billy sticks around. I think Levi was the big part of why Billy came back. You yeah, no, and also, to add on to that, Dave, what you just said about with HUD, you know, and his players and some of Napier's players still being from HUD's recruiting classes, I think the biggest difference is you were talking about, I called it the quarterback carousel under HUD. You know, yeah, after right. Broadway left, you know, you had Brooks Hack, Jalen Nixon, DeShay Landor, you had Anthony Jennings, you had Levi in the mix, you had – Nunez, you had um, Jordan Davis, all of which were like in a span of maybe three years. So you went through like five or six starting quarterbacks. I might have missed one or two. I don't know. But I think what stands out is, you know, I think one other thing, too, is also Coach Hud lost a few of his assistants. Jay Johnson had left. I think he had switched like two defensive coordinators. So that instability in the coaching staff mixed in with that quarterback controversy of you know, probably had a lot to do with that. But I think one he thing fired, that, that... Didn't he fire a defensive coordinator like three games in one year? One game. The Boise State game, the first game. He, he uh. fired him after the first game. So, you know, I think I think that's one thing that Billy's been able to do is, is maintain the same culture, maintain the same mindset, even in spite of him replacing coaches. This year, I want to say half of his coaching staff left, you know, getting bigger jobs and he's still been able to kind of maintain that. But I do think that has a little something to do with what you were talking about, how the run game hasn't been up to par of what we're used to. I think that's part of it, but it's still amazing how, in spite of all that, how he's still able to kind of keep that train rolling, you know, and sure. we're going to find out this weekend, what kind of a test 
um, you know, the Cajuns can face because it's it's going to be a challenge. Well, it's interesting because I, I I brought this up to the producer, my producer today, and we all sometimes you know based on schedule, right? There's no coastal this year. Is there app? Cajuns have app. Uh, not this week, but the next week. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a Tuesday night in Lafayette. So, but a lot yeah. of times, like in the SEC, sometimes your you know your crossover games are easier than other years, right? So maybe mm-hmm. you know, so all of a sudden you go ten and two one year, but now your crossover games aren't you know Vanderbilt and Tennessee or so or Tennessee Vanderbilt and, and uh, South Carolina. You know, they're Georgia and Florida all of a sudden, and so you're bringing the same team back, but you're ten and two, but now you went eight and four because the teams you're playing are better. It kind of feels right. like Cajuns are kind of the opposite of that. All right. They were better in 19. They couldn't keep up with app. Then I think they were better in 2020, right? They needed an overtime victory against, was it Georgia Southern or Georgia state? Georgia state. And then they needed to kick a field goal to beat Georgia. 53 yard field goal to beat the other one. Uh, They couldn't stop coastal at all uh, in that game at home. I know there was COVID issues. They just took, they still couldn't stop them. Um, I think they were better a couple of years ago. And I still think, even though the record was better last year, right? They were 10 and one last year, right? They set a record. And, but I, I still think they were better in 19 than they were in 20. And I still think so far they were better in 20 than they were in 21 and better in 19. So the record may end up being better, but I, I, I they're definitely not, they're not quite as talented as they were in the, in the previous years. All right, Dave. Let's get on. Let's get on to football now. Uh, looking at looking at the South Alabama program, the, the the thing off the top that I want to talk to you about is there was a defensive player. I, I'm blanking on the young man's name, but there was a player that was asked about the Cajuns' offense in right. the press conference, and yeah. he he said he basically said that the run game doesn't scare them. Correct. Now the the question I have just just point blank. Why would that, first of all, why would, as a football player, why would you say something like that? Is, is it a motivational tactic, you know, kind of from your perspective? What do you think that is? Right. And then the second part of my question is how, how, in using that to motivate the Cajuns, how does that kind of hurt South Alabama? Well, it probably can, right, a little bit. Um, you know, when, as soon as he said it, kind of looked at other media members go out. Oh, that's going to get back to Lafayette, right? Um, I have not spoken a lot with Charles Coleman the third. It's kind of quiet. We probably asked him two or three questions only because of that. He was kind of kind of quiet, a little shy. Um, so, I mean, but based on his experience this year, they're really good at the running game. I mean, they, they just are. Um, I, I don't know how good the teams that they're playing are at the running attack, but they've been really good. Um, at stopping the run. I know it's Southern Miss, Bowling Green, and Elkhorn State, but the stats are what they are. They're giving up just over 50 yards a game. Um, And as we mentioned, the Cajuns, solid, right? 150 yards a game on the ground is pretty good. I don't know where that ranks nationally, but that's pretty good. It's not what it once was. That's the only thing. And Chris Smith quite hasn't, lived up to what I thought he was going to be and what others, and he's been replaced, right? So, Well, he's not touching the damn football, so we, we wouldn't know. Right, right. But but someone else is doing his job and doing it quite well. 
Although I'm not quite sure he got in the end zone at the end of the first half, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so he, 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 I, I haven't spoken to Charles preseason during the season. That's the first time I've seen him in there. So maybe a little inexperienced. Is it going to motivate the Cajuns? Yeah, maybe, you know, whatever, whatever they need to get motivated. Um, you would think some of their performances over the last few weeks, when maybe somebody had them covering the points and they didn't, would get them motivated. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, they, the, the South Alabama is good at stopping the run. That's their thing. Really good. Fifty yards a game is really good. Now, again, they haven't played anybody. Um, they're not exactly, you know, slowing guys, you know, slowing superstars down. Although they did a, a good job against, uh, you know, Frank Gore Jr. at Southern Miss. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, it, here's my question to you guys. And I've noticed this the last few years because it kind of feels like, it kind of feels like Billy overcoaches. Like he's anticipated. Kinda. So... He's trying to outcoach the other coach at the beginning. And, and ends up outcoaching himself. With Eli. He did this with Eli, Trey, and Raymond Clayton, right? So in 19, averaging 257 yards a game, Levi Lewis could have yelled, we're running it to the right behind Dotson and Hunt. This is where the play is going, right? And you Just still wouldn't have stopped it. All right, we're running to the right. Stop us. Can't do it, right? right. But now... Even, or even he did that in, in 2019 and 2020. He comes out passing the football. Why, why? Especially like against Texas. Why am I passing the football? Why didn't I try to run? Because he thinks that teams are trying to stop his run. So now I'm going to try and pass the football and maybe that'll loosen up, it, loosen it up. Well, they've kind of gotten off to slow starts. So I, I would start with the strength. Uh, as for South Alabama, I don't know what that is yet. They have not played particularly well for most of the season. They are 3-0, but they haven't played particularly well, and they'll be the first to tell you that. Um, but it just feels like Billy kind of overcoaches. Um, we we use have the I'm the smartest guy in the room thing going on? We we use the term, we use the term gets cute. Um, you know, yeah. He, he, I just feel you like know, he I, 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 keep, I keep thinking back to the, the fourth and inches play against Mississippi State where we run the reverse. Oh. On fourth and inches, we run a damn reverse. Right. Like, and, and and I get the coaching philosophy of, you know, obviously you want the first down right there, but you also know that that reverse is going to set up something later in the game. Like, I get that philosophy. But it's, but it's, it's, take forever it, to, it, it's fourth and inches. Right. Just run the damn ball. Right. What about the first play of the game? That's the first play of the game. Is that Levi Lewis's first start in his career? So we're going to roll him out to the left instead of right. just handing it off to the and running he game? gets and he gets sandwiched intercepted yeah intercepted. that yeah okay yeah you're right you're right right so that that that's the only thing and so yeah I mean I guess if the Cajuns need you know they like like you don't know who Charles Coleman is they don't know who Charles Coleman is right um, they just they just need to be the Cajuns just need to be able to run the ball better is the thing. I think there's a lack of execution mixed in there too, Dave. Um, you know, we that talked about be. it. Well, I'll give you a prime example. So after the Georgia Southern game, we did our reaction episode right after the game. Josh and I were talking about how against Ohio, those three running backs um, 
they combined for 241 yards on the ground. Mm. And I mean, they were, I mean, it, it looked like a typical, yards, K, right? yeah, typical Cajuns rushing attack. Yeah. Last week they rushed for 129, but on the other hand, Levi Lewis threw three touchdown passes. He was 21 of 29, three dimes, no interceptions and yeah. three bombs, like beautiful bombs that we've like, never yeah. seen him. We've never seen him throw that before. And so right. I guess where I'm getting at when I say lack of execution is that if you can combine those two factors in every game, and I'm not saying be perfect, but if you get the, if you can get both going at the same time simultaneously, this offense can have, um, can have um, traits of what you saw in 2019 or yeah, 2020. Yeah. You just got to, you just, you know, this it's yeah. consistency, you know, his, his, that's, his, that's what I see. Two deep touchdowns were absolutely on the money. And yet he still has an issue throwing a seven yard out. He didn't play well. This is what I wanted to say. He threw three great deep passes. Nobody right. said he couldn't throw the deep ball, right. but he did not play well. <laughs> he didn't. And you can't say that when you go 21 of 29 and, and three touchdowns. You can't say that. But that's what happened. So he still has my, – my biggest issue with Levi is that he's – as a third-year starter and four-year player, right, led the nation in – Fifth-year player. His, his first year um, under Billy. Um, he just makes poor decisions when under pressure. So there was a play – and again, I'd have to go back and watch it. But they're up 28-20 trying to put the game away midway through the fourth quarter, right? And he's under pressure. And he spins away from the pressure. The pressure is coming from his right. Is it the third down play that you're talking about where he sprints backwards for 30 yards and then just throws it he away? throws it out of bounds. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Had, we, know, we, know, we know the play. <laughs> he had twisted away from the pressure. So yeah. if he just ran to his right, there's nobody there. Nobody there. Right, everyone's downfield. Nobody's there. He twisted back into the pressure. He has it in his mind that he needs to be able to throw the football mm-hmm. to get drafted or or whatever the case may be to play football at the next level. It just feels like that. He yeah. still hasn't figured out on how to throw to his left while running to his left. It, yeah, you know, sweet, or right now is the perfect example of what I was saying earlier about being a truth teller. Local media does not know how to handle this particular player because he is the most successful quarterback in history. He's going to rewrite the record books. He's going to be, yes, he's a great kid. Oh, the intangibles are there. He's going to be governor one day. He's going to be a well-deserved player. I'd vote for him. But there are nuanced discussions to be had about how he plays. And right. this, this media market cannot handle this player because if you step out and say the things that you just said, you're going to get crushed right. in the paper. Well, that's the key. That's the key to the game. If you want to talk about the key to the game, South Alabama's got pressure, got to get pressure on, on Levi Lewis. And we have to get pressure on Jake Bentley. They, they took a long time to get pressure on the Southern Miss quarterback Trey Lowe who's banged up now but you know someone is in the middle of the game is texting me is this Cajuns or not Cajuns is this Jaguars defense for real and I go well I don't know he's like well they're not doing anything I'm like well that quarterback is standing in the pocket for like four or five seconds he should run right or throw the ball away but he's making really poor decisions you know way late um so if they can get pressure on Levi and either force him to run which is always better than a 55 yard touchdown pass um, they'll be in the ball game and not turn the ball over, you know, but the key for South Alabama to be in this game is obviously stop the run, but that's 
football 101 and and to pressure Levi to make poor uh, decisions and again I you know force him to run I I I'd have to go back and think about it. now I, I that Ohio game I was actually calling a football game so I wasn't paying attention all that much I'd have to go back and think about when I saw him run this year because they don't call runs for him. Well, right? they, don't Ohio do, game, they don't do RPO with him. In that no. Ohio game, they actually attempted to run a football with oh, they did. which okay. it was mildly successful, but it was good to see them have it in the game plan. Just, but yeah, but even if it just gets five yards, I'm so tell- you got to account for it. Later I'm telling on. you, if we if we ran if we ran RPOs, we're thrashing every defense in this conference. Well, that's part of it. Last year, when we lost to to Coastal. Um, the game against UAB and and after that, when, when we won like six or seven straight, including the bowl game, they started utilizing Levi's feet. They started letting him roll out some more. They started letting him to, you know, do more quarterback keepers. They started letting him keeping it in the pocket instead of trying to get rid of the ball. And it worked. It's actually, it actually spread, spread the field a lot more and made it a lot more difficult for defenses to prepare for. And that's what we've always said about Levi is when he uses his feet, he, he can't be stopped. And yet sometimes when he's in the pocket, instead of he'll, he'll have 10 yards of green in front of him, he'll still try to throw. And maybe, and maybe you're right, Dave, maybe it's because he's trying to get scouted. But I, I guess to me, I would think as a scout, I would see the quarterback make a decision on keeping it, getting that first down, getting the five or six yards rather than trying to make some nice play over the top. I mean, I think it was the first possession against Texas. I think it was third and two. And he's rolling out to the left. And he's trying to get it to whatever wide receiver instead of realizing I'm not going to do this. I got to put my foot in the ground, pump fake it, put my foot in the ground and die for the first and down. take off. Right. Yeah, Because he probably had it. Cause I think there was only one defender between him and the wide receiver, but he couldn't get an angle to get the ball to the wide receiver. He, he had the first down. He had the first down. Exactly. So that's where he has he the first down nine times out of 10. He's yeah. one of the most elusive kids on the field. Yes. If you so, would just let him use that ability. If South can pressure him on a somewhat consistent basis, oh yeah, for sure. in the game. Now, as for South, again, they've played four quarters. Or I'm sorry, 12 quarters. They've played well in four. All right. I was very nervous, and I only see the end of practice. By the way, we are allowed in practice. All practice. So I've seen all the scrimmages. I only get to see the end of practice because that's a time constraint on me. But during the, during, you know, whatever the scrimmages were open to the public. In fact, it wasn't a big secret. I just didn't see the offense. I was, what is going to happen on Saturday against Southern Miss? I'm talking to people. And I, Am I missing something? Cause it just doesn't look good. And they took a couple of possessions and then all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. You know, Bentley was hitting Tolbert. Jalen Tolbert will be the best player on the field, by the way. Yeah. I, I, you know, yeah. he, he is. No, no question. He, he is. will be the best player on the field. I'm hoping we get an Eric Garrar, Jalen Tolbert, McGill Tulin as a local high school here. They're, they're both, you know, alum. So that could be a nice one-on-one if, if you get uh, Tolbert versus his buddy uh, Garrar. Um, but it was, it was very, where did it come from? And then they kind of went into a low, they played well in the second and third quarter. Then they didn't play well in the fourth, although they finished with a pick six. Then they went to Bowling Green and played like crap for three-plus quarters. There was nine minutes to go, and they're down a touchdown. Bowling Green kept on kicking field goals. And they're down a touchdown, and they started to run the ball. I think Bentley made a couple of key throws. 
maybe even a dump off pass on fourth down. They got a first. Uh, Terry and Avery kind of led the way. Um, and then Bowling Green, you know, on third down, not only doesn't get it, but fumbles. So now the Jaguars are set up to win it right before overtime. And then, you know, they're just giving the ball away against Alcorn. They were down 14-7. Alcorn looked a little bit. You guys will have to go back over the over more than, than I did. Um, Alcorn looked a little bit like Nichols. The thing was, South Alabama kept on handing them the ball, and they're leading 14-7. Here's a couple things on South Alabama. They have not – forget about scoring on the first possession. I don't think they have a first down on the first possession. It may be they don't have a first down on their first two possessions of any game so far this year. At least the first possession, that's true. They have scored on each, like Napier and South and and the Cajuns, really good second-half adjustments. Um, South Alabama has scored on every first possession of the second half. They they can't do nothing to begin the game. So against Alcorn, they're down 14-7. They get three stops, and they score three touchdowns. It would have been four stops and four touchdowns, but they fumbled the punt. So they've only played, they played uh, two good quarters against Southern Miss, one good quarter against Bowling Green, and basically the third quarter against Alcorn State. That's it. So they've been really inconsistent. The running game has not been what they're hoping for, although it came together a little bit. Kareem Walker had a big ball game uh, against Alcorn. Um so we'll see. They they have plenty of weapons, and Bentley should probably be better. You're kind of wondering, can play in the SEC? Let's go. Um, so we'll see. I, it's it's going to be very interesting. This is the first time this year that they are playing a team that is better than they are. Yeah, no no question about it. Schultz, you know this this game is probably the marquee matchup for the Sun Belt so far this year. I mean, I know conference play just started last week, but. You know, this is obviously this is going to be a, a battle for early supremacy in, in the Sun Belt West. Uh, Are you blaming COVID for ULM having a winning streak? Absolutely. <laughs> ULM is on a winning streak. That's a winning streak. Hell is freezing over. No wonder it's cold outside. Sorry about that. Go ahead. But no, did man. They, did they spot Bigfoot too while they were at it up there? So I, I, I think I think I think you've just answered my question. <laughs> What's the most impressive thing you've seen in the Sun Belt this season? I mean, Georgia State should have beaten Auburn. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, got hosed. I mean, yeah. Georgia State should have beaten Auburn. You know, I don't yeah. care if the tight end dropped the ball or not. That still only would have made it third and 10. It wasn't like they got a first down on a cheapy five yard penalty, and it would have been third and 19 had they not gotten the first down. Um, you know, they had him sacked. They had TJ Finley sacked. Georgia State should have won. Uh, and maybe more than, you know, the wide receivers coach would have been fired. So that was impressive. And, and ULM winning two in a row, although one of those is Jackson State. So maybe Deion Sanders to USC slow the roll on that one just a little bit. <laughs> slow it down. Maybe get a, you know, maybe have a little bit more success at Jackson State before we're heading to Southern California. And, and Troy and might want to blow everything up. He is that he's recruiting. Everybody my age, well, it would be awesome to play for Deion Sanders. Yeah, these 18-year-olds or 17-year-olds or 16-year-olds have no idea who Deion Sanders is. Had played football for a long time. Um, so that's pretty good. It was Troy was really good up until they stubbed their toe against, you lose uh, against ULM. And Coastal and App are really good, right? Coastal and App are really good. App State, 
I'm not saying should have beat Miami, but Miami's really lucky that they had a couple of drops at the end of the game. They were setting up for a game time field goal uh, or maybe a go ahead field goal. In fact, App State's really good. Yeah, they really App are. State's good. They really are. Good. Cajuns look to be good. It'd be fun if South is, is pretty good, right? And the thing is, Sal, if you go through their schedule, you know, we were thinking they could be 3 0 because they weren't playing anybody to begin with. And I, I think I had him down there. It's potential to go six and one because the last four games are not easy. Like Troy's in there. Um, let's in there. see. I have y'all's, I had y'all's schedule pulled up. Tennessee is in there. And they finish at home versus Coastal. Your last four games are Troy, App, Tennessee, Coastal. Yeah. So Troy is the big rivalry. That's the battle for the belt, I guess. Um, Arkansas State before Coastal, those four. Think what coast. So Tennessee. We'll see if Tennessee is thrown in the towel there or not. They may be just hankering for it. You know, hankering for any victory. Um, App could be playing for a top twenty-five spot. Coastal could be playing for a New Year's six-day bowl. So yep. they're not certainly going to be looking over South. So we were talking about teams that records may not indicate how good or bad they are. They may start like six and one or six and two and finish six and six. And they had a really good year. Well, that Bowling well, Green victory uh, started looking after good this. Good. You got the schedule right there, Matt. Yeah. Uh, after this week, South has Texas state, Texas state. All right. Well, they're a mess. Yeah. Nice and, then, win. and then Georgia Southern and then ULM. I mean, so yeah, you, you guys could very well be six and one, six and one, and they could finish seven and seven five, and five. Or six and six. Yeah. And people are like, well, they had an awful year. No, 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 you, you really didn't. You went through the gauntlet the last month of the year. Yes. That's going to be not an easy gauntlet, you know, Tennessee and then coastal. Are you kidding me? Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> And I, I, I'm not, and I'm less worried about Tennessee. But we'll see where Tennessee's mind. Tennessee may be just ready to pack it in at that right, point. Right, They may we'll, quit. We'll yeah, absolutely. We'll see. So, uh, Dave, what do you think about all of this conference realignment stuff, man? We talked mm. about it earlier. It's been the big topic. There's rumors right now, as we speak, of Southern yeah. Miss or Marshall coming to the Sun Belt and this team that. going there. And what, what, what's the vibe you're getting? Well, I had, I did have. Um, uh, Joel Erdman on Dr. Joel Erdman. He's director of athletics when all that stuff was coming out. And I guess when the big 12 was expanding and he was like, well, we'll, we'll do it, but it's going to take some time. I said, well, probably shouldn't take that much time. If you're going to take four months, you're going to be left behind. This better get done in four weeks. Whether we find out about it or not in four weeks is different than when it has to be done. And I did see those, you know, Twitter rumors. So it's on Twitter, so it must be true, right? Marshall uh, and Southern Miss. Southern Miss seems like a perfect fit. Of course, there's some Louisiana schools that are perfect fits as well, but they're obnoxious and think they're better than the other Louisiana schools. So say no more. We know you. I think everybody. I think all of Cajun Nation no. knows who you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, but the, but it's, it's how much money you could save and the rivalry, right? I mean, that was the one thing that the Cajuns don't have. Right. They don't have a rival, right? South Alabama's got a rival in Troy. All right. I know in baseball it used to be the Cajuns, but South Alabama's got a rival in Troy. That is their rival. I mean, people want to make it ULM because of the university system, but no. No, no the, the teams no. that brought 
the the big crowds, right? That at, at UL when I was there, Grambling, Southern, McNeese. That's it. Mm-hmm. So you know, I, you know, I would do anything I could. I you got you maybe get a no. I got to call Law Tech and I got to call Tulane, and you try to show them the money saving endeavors you could make while also bringing in more money from TV. And, and, you know, you start a little basketball tournament, you know, a little round Robin, you know, one year it's at Tulane, one year it's at ULM, one year it's at La Tech, one year it's, you know, with the Cajuns, you know, bring them in. And it, it, it seems a lot easier. But look at this right here. A little dirty. Woo-hoo. Hey, New Orleans. Tulane, New Orleans Bowl. Hey, that's the first one. Yeah. That must have been our media gift. Coasters. Too late in Cajun's <laughs> posters. Uh, so, I, I, you know, does, I mean, Marshall's a nice program. I don't know how well Marshall fits. Do they play baseball? Do they have baseball? Softball? They do. They do, but not, not – um, I don't think it's that great, though. I don't think they've okay. done anything. Well, their, 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 softball, their softball team made it to the, the CUSA championship this past year. Oh, nice. So, okay. I mean, their softball team's so, yeah, got potential. Well. Now, Southern Miss would be nice because it's a nice fit, but that program is a mess. Good travel partner. It is, but that, that yeah. So South Alabama got the last coach fired or quit. Right. Then the next coach who was going to take the job went to go play replace HUD at Austin P. They lost some quarterbacks. Will Hall feels like the pressure of the entire world is on right. his shoulders. Um, we we know a thing or two about getting coaches fired. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, outside, but so outside of the Cajuns football stadium, which is coming allegedly, um, their facilities are great. South's facilities are great. Troy's facilities are great. ULM, not so much. Uh, and so yeah. if, if you can find, you know, if Southern, I don't know what Southern Miss's facilities are like, to be honest with you, is that's pretty good, right? Their football stadium is. Yeah. It's, it's outdated. pretty nice. Uh, they, they, they've, yeah, it's not bad. I mean, I know their baseball stadium is first class. So you got to find, you got to find teams that, you know, places that are willing to put the, the money in the program um, and not just teams that are willing to come. It's got to be a benefit for both sides. Right. Sure. For sure. Josh, I know that there's something that you've been itching to, to ask. Uh Oh, well, you brought up the stadium alleged stadium right. renovations last time we had a stadium renovation uh you were in lafayette oh. that, was, that was a lot of fun um, the baseball one yeah <laughs> oh yes i think i think enough time has passed where i can ask i can ask you this question i probably need to be asking you the question but go yeah, ahead well, we knew well i don't we almost kind of worked together on that that's kind of scary uh how where did farmer watch come from and how much shit did you get from it (laughs) such a good time such a good time okay so this was all before my vacation and chuck wood and my vacation overlapped so chuck is the general manager delta vice president general manager and so i went on my vacation and came back and he was gone okay and so I remember I came up with, and, and here's the problem, Josh, and no one would tell me what the problem was. No one would tell me a couple of things, right? A, didn't have the money, and Robe kept on tacking on to the stadium. So this $10 million stadium that was supposed to be funded 
didn't have enough money in financing and then it became a $16 million. Ticket. Well, now in my defense, I didn't know that latter half. So okay. all right. So I didn't know, but I didn't know Clean what ignorance. the was at all. All I saw is like the ticket office was destroyed. So, or the offices there were, were taken down. And this is, you know, so, right, they hosted a regional, right? They lost to Arizona, right? That year, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, all I remember is, you know, they started construction and then they stopped and people were like, Josh, we're like, you got to find out what's going on, what's going on, what's going on. And I tried and I didn't know what was going on. Certainly no one would go on the record with me. Uh, no one would talk to me from the athletic department. I tried to get farmer to come on. He's kind of shy, which is not a great attribute to be a, an athletic director, but okay. So, he's a little nice shy. way to put it. Yeah. Right. He's a little shy. So, uh, I didn't know, I didn't know what the story was. All right. And so I think I used the term right before I went on vacation. I think I used the term it's disappointing, but it's not devastating because it's going to get done. The stadium is going to get done. It may not get done when we want it to get done, but it's coming, right? We know it's coming. Okay. So now it's the summer and I got to do something different. I got to get, I got to get a hook. I got to come up with something that is going to make people laugh. And so I came up with a farmer watch, but it wasn't about his job. It wasn't about getting him fired. It was just the last time we heard from him. That's what it was. Okay. That's all it was. And so the ratings came out. Our ratings hadn't popped yet. So this is spring of 16. Right. right? Early summer. Yeah. Early summer. Spring of 16. Okay. Right after the regional. Yeah. So our ratings popped in the spring of 17. All right. When we added, uh, Alan came into the fall and added his show and Ben had been there for a few years and we were rocking and rolling by then. So the ratings hadn't popped. In fact, the ratings were probably bad. All right. So I, I, I'm back. Chuck is gone. Chuck comes back and rips me a new one. You've ruined our relationship with the cage. What are you talking about? Well, what's this farmer watch? Well, he just hasn't spoken to the media in like a month. That's all I'm counting is the days since he's spoken. I'm not trying to get the guy fired. I'm not, that's not my thing, right? The only time I wanted anybody fired was Johnny Jones for skipping out on the NCAA tournament because Ben Simmons didn't want to play and they're probably going to lose by 40 again. But quitting is not an option. So that's that's the only guy I suggested to get fired. Didn't do it to HUD. Didn't do it to, you know, geez, when I was leaving, people wanted rope fired. I mean, you got to be kidding me, right? They were like, they changed baseball coaches. Stop. So I didn't want Farmer fired. I just wanted to know what was going on. So what happens? Somehow, Farmer gets audio. Someone recorded the show. Farmer got it. Sent it to, um, maybe it was the video. Sent it to, uh, Farmer sent it to Chuck. Chuck claims that it was personal. Farmer claims it was personal. I'm like, how is this personal? This is, I'm saying he just needs to explain what's going on. That's all I did say. I probably did say somewhere in there, you know, we got the SEC, we got the Sunbelt media days coming up and I'm not going to put up with, we're talking football. You know, that's a baloney. You know, you got an issue going on here. You should explain it. All the media are together. I'm not saying he should lose his job. I'm not saying he's doing a bad job. I'm just saying he should answer the questions. Well, Chuck had a fit. Chuck absolutely had a fit. I got suspended for a week, paid my own way to the Sunbelt Media Days, and Farmer actually had the gall to come up to me. He's like, we got to talk. And 
whatever you think of Scott Farmer, to become an AD is awfully political. He knew exactly what he was doing when he sent Chuck the audio of what I was doing. Instead of Scott just picking up the phone, hey, Dave, what are you doing? Because I would have said, Scott, I'm having a little fun at your expense, but if you pick up the phone and let me know what's going on, either come on, there's radio with me, or explain the situation and I'll explain. Which is probably what would have happened in a larger market, right? Just explain what's going on, right? That's all I'm doing. I'm just having a little funny bit. It's right with the, I mean, we probably did it once an hour because you can do that in radio, right? I can do it at six, seven, eight, you know, Especially five or something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, no, but Chuck Chuck thought, here was, here, was the, here was the problem, right? Chuck thought that, you know, we had ruined the relate. I had ruined the relationship with the Cajuns to get the, to get the rights, which we didn't realize at the time. Delta Media will never get the rights. Never had it a just, shot. Yeah, it, it, it had. It, it didn't happen with Farmer. It won't happen with Maggard. They, they've been with Town Square forever. Also, as much as we have an advantage on the day to day, or we that one zero three seven, the game had an advantage on the day to day with fourteen twenty. The games, the football games, the, the weekend basketball games, weekend baseball games aren't like a 100,000-watt station, right? 96.5, right? It's either 50,000 watts or 100,000 watts. The game couldn't compete. You can't compete with that. Right. right. So that was, that was our miscalculation that we did not realize, uh, and, and Chuck suspended me. I, I tried to have my the operations manager, because this is where – because I, I, you know – almost got fired a couple of times, right? I put, uh, I put, uh, uh, not, uh, not trailer, but, uh, who's a softball broadcaster? Steve Peliquin. Yeah. Stevie P. There you go. Stevie P. I was going to say Scotty P, but Stevie P. Right. So we're going down, um, getting sound of a regional at like 1230 in the morning. What are we doing? Right. I'm getting up in a couple hours. What, what I'm at a softball regional getting sound. What is going on here? And so let's put Stevie P on the radio, right? And I did, right? I called Stevie P show. I put him on the radio on my station and I was on his station. Oh, then you know, everybody flipped out and I deservedly so maybe should have got fired, right? But I didn't. But in this case, with the farmer situation, which I turned out being right, <laughs> right? Is what it turns out to be. Yeah. Um, Chuck overreacted. I wasn't making it personal. And so that's in the spring, right? So maybe somebody here was informing me that farmer was let go. On Wednesday morning during the show, I confirmed it with somebody inside the athletic department, announced it on the air. And by 9.30, we had a press release to come to the athletic facility. It was a Wednesday before Thanksgiving. You're so, welcome. you know, I'm getting suspended in the middle of July, August, September, October. He's getting fired four months later. Yeah. Well, and then, to you know, to kind of give some context to the rest of that, at the time, the entire fan base had been calling for his job for like two years. So on the back end of that, every small nook and cranny of Cajun fandom was hollering for Farmer with pitchforks, and <laughs> here comes Farmer I watch. No <laughs> well, I had no idea. Yeah, I know I you had, didn't. I know you did. Just to, to complete the whole picture. So yeah, I, I had no idea about any of that. I just wanted to know because the first, I'll give you an example of my first uh, work experience was in minor league baseball. And my boss said, look, if you make a mistake, let us know what it is. 
we'll correct it and then we'll worry about what went wrong. So we had a food drive. I was left alone. Someone, my boss was out of town and someone set up a food drive for discounted tickets, right? And like, well, we'll have the biggest crowd on Friday or Saturday. Let's do it then. No, 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 no. You want people to pay full price on a Friday, Saturday, you do a, fo- a food drive on Monday, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? Well, my boss never got back to the person he was supposed to get back to. It still ends up on a weekend. I got yelled at because we're getting discounted away, discounted tickets away when we should be maximizing our profits. So I, I took responsibility. I, I screwed that up, right? I didn't get yelled at until, well, I probably got yelled at right before that, but it was like, this is the reason why you don't do that. And so all Scott Farmer had to say was, look, we've run into a financing issue. We've run into a raising funds issue. And our stadium is almost, is more than 50% more than we thought it was going to be. All right. And you don't even have to throw a rover show under the bus at the time. Just say that's the case. They still don't even have visiting locker room, right? That's right. So, I mean, you so. The problem was so, he, couldn't, he couldn't say that at the time because he was lying to the goddamn donors. Right, right. So that was, that was the problem. So that was, that ends up being the problem, but I, I never knew any of that. I just, I, I didn't want to get Scott fired. I just wanted to hear what was going on. And that was the farmer watch, right? I picked a day. So when I got back, you know, farmer watch would have been, you know, like three or four weeks. It already would have been day 30. Also around that time. I don't know if you guys know this, right? That's when boom sauce showed up in Lafayette. Kushner. And I lost it on the air. <laughs> lost it. You know, uh, I, I I won't even lie. I, I know a lot of people didn't like Colin. Oh, I like Colin. I love Colin Kushner. Yeah, yeah, I love Colin. No, no. no to to this to this day, I reach out to that guy occasionally. Yeah, yeah. No, he's a good dude. He's a good guy, and he works really hard. Boom sauce. Uh, boom sauce. Love so, that dude. Yeah, I didn't know any of that. What was going on behind the scenes? No one would confirm. You know, from the Cajuns to the donors, I didn't know what was going. No, like. Like the donors were afraid of Scott Farmer, right? It should be the other way around. But they would thought they would get blackballed if they went on the radio or at least tell me what's going on so I can explain what's going on. Um, but yeah, and then Chuck overreacted and I did get suspended for a week. Um, so that, yeah, that didn't go over well because I didn't think I was in the wrong. I was in the wrong a handful of times with Delta, not that time. I was not in the wrong that time. Of course, Farmer took it personally because I was going after him professionally, but I wasn't going after him personally. No. And they made us jump through plenty of hoops just to pump up their program. So That's right. For no reason. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been story time with Mr. Dave Schultz. <laughs> oh, God. This, it, that was awesome. It was real. That was awesome. And we eventually we got our stadium. So, And now we're getting yeah. a football stadium. Got a great stadium. And we're getting a football stadium now. Let's hope it's uh, we have everything we need to uh, to get it done. I think we've got the right people in charge to make sure that it's it's where it needs to be. Um, there is a timeline. I know they have uh, they, they the have timeline? some. The the game plan is to start renovation on the home side this coming off season. That's where the whole renovation is. What do you mean on the home well, side? That's where the whole thing well, is. Well, they, they 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 touched they touched up the visitor side a little bit this off season. But uh, but I thought, aren't we not the the major the the major renovation? Doesn't it like lean in the wind or something? (laughs) (laughs) The the major renovation is obviously coming to the home side. Um, and and the I I think if I if I've heard correctly, 
the object is to start work on the home side this coming off season, and next year fans will sit in the visitor side and end zone. Yeah, they've already started to receive people, so they're sending out emails and communications. It's well, coming. I'm a, I'm a hashtag always a bright side. You know what that's going to mean? People are going to complain. Yep. No, it's going to look really good on TV. Yeah, yes, it that is. is true. It's going to look on like a yes, it is. on TV is what it's going to look like. Yeah, you got 15,000 people across that lower bowl on the visitor side. It's going to look really good on TV. Although there's going to be the people in the stadium. That's okay. Right. It'll, it, look cool. it'll look like it is. Right. And yeah. you have an excuse because you have an renovation. So. Right. Right, right. Right, right. Yep. Right. So, uh, so is it going to be two years? Is this going to be ready in 2023? Maybe even sooner uh, than mean, that. Well, I mean. Tentatively, you know. tentatively, we're probably going to say 23, 24, depending okay. on when they start. Um, they're still trying to fundraise, but, but I do know that they, they've raised a good bit of money. Um, and they've gotten a few big time donations, including our lady of Lords who've stepped up. I think, I think, I mean, I don't don't know, I don't know for sure, but I think, I think we've got enough money to at least secure the loan. Yeah. Yeah, We're we're, we're getting the work done. Um, yeah. Well, that'll be huge. Yeah. It'd be nice if he was there when it was done. Right. Honestly, Dave, I think that's one of the reasons why he might be staying around a little bit longer, depending on what jobs come up. I think he sees the commitment. Um, one of the things he said when he first took the job, uh, his first interview with Jay, Jay Walker, uh, when Jay said, you know, give me one word, a one worded answer of what you thought when you toured the facilities. The first thing that came to his mouth was commitment. Um, going through the athletic performance center, seeing, you know, the, the weight room and the nutritional program and the, I think I think he was very impressed um, for the first time to see what he can recruit to. Now, you get a stadium with it. That's that's the whole shebang, man. That is it. That's that's the one thing that they need. Absolutely, absolutely. What do you think? Why do you guys think the attendance has been great? I don't know what the weather's been like. Like like the home game against um, Elkhorn, it rained and the lights went out for ninety minutes right again. <laughs> So half the stadium left, whoever of, was there. Of course. So, but, you know, I know they had a big crowd for well, Nichols. Who? Nichols. It was Nichols. Nichols. But it wasn't what they said it was. Because I've been in the stadium when it was 25 to 28, and that's that may be paid, but they're not quite there yet. Right, right. Why, why do we think there's hesitation yet? So still the economy or what, what's going on there? Obviously, obviously there's, a, there's a couple of things, but I'll tell you. I think the biggest thing has been the ESPN Plus deal. Mm. Because now you can pay $5 a month and right. you never miss a game. Right. You can watch it from the convenience of your couch. And a- a- as great as it is from a exposure standpoint, I mean, now anybody in the country can sit there and watch the Cajuns. From a filling Cajun field every Saturday, that deal was a killer. It was a killer. Because yeah. because before ESPN Plus, unless you were playing on the U or ESPN Two or whatever it was, your weeknight games, you had to go to Cajun Field to watch it happen. Right mm-hmm. now, you can stay at home and watch it. Yeah, which yeah. a lot of people I know that's exactly what they do. Right. Yeah, and you see, I've gotten a few of my friends uh, recently over the past few years, whether it was last year because of COVID or even this year, that 
you know, they've got dual screens. They got their laptop. Like me, I got my laptop, my cell phone, got the iPad, can watch it on the TV. Watch however many games you want, man. Four screens out in your patio, barbecue and watch whether it's the Cajuns, LSU, Alabama, Florida, whoever. And you, you do it for a lot less money than going to the game, fighting the traffic, waiting. Oh, and actually, Dave, I'm going to respectfully disagree with you on the attendance against Nichols. They were in the stadium, except most of them were waiting in the concession stand line for two <laughs> hours to get a bottle of water. No shit. That's where they were. Man, you should have seen that. That was uh, Dr. Maggard uh, had an emergency meeting that week. I heard about that. They weren't – I think that was – that was, was like countrywide. It, it was, was and it was, and it was much improved was for the next game. Yeah, it was, it was atrocious. Probably the worst. I mean, my wife was in line for a full, like half a quarter and almost entire all of halftime to get a hamburger and bottle of water. Well, I mean, at that point, well, she went upstairs and still, I mean, that was a shorter line. And she still waited that length. And, and I think what happened was they consolidated like bottled water and an essential concessions rather than kind of having your own water stand or selling water at the cotton candy stand like they used to they consolidated it all into the concession line which made it made it a nightmare you know, extended that because 40, 45 minutes of waiting you know yeah but the cajuns weren't the only one to have that issue right there were, there were a couple yeah no of that was that had, um, oh, i'm sure computer system errors right yeah yeah that was an issue across the country that weekend yeah, Matt, Matt said it best, though. I think with the ESPN Plus, it, it's just, I mean, you're seeing that across the yeah. country now, where even like your big stadiums, you're seeing empty seats in the upper deck a lot more. Like, that was the reason why I had to go to all the games, right? I had to go to all the, the basketball games and the baseball games and softball games because I, I still can't. I don't know how to talk about something unless I see it. Plus, I may see something that I want right. to talk about that happens not at the end of the ball game. That right. you know, maybe they didn't get the runners home from second and third. That's when the game ended in the fourth, not when they you know didn't score in the ninth inning or something like that. So, um, yeah, I had I had to go. I mean, I probably still went even after, right. after the ESPN Plus stuff because I just like going and you know like stale popcorn. So that's what like I guess. stale popcorn. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I hope it does. I hope South draws. You know, they didn't draw that well for baseball, but that was still kind of COVID. So we'll see. They'll have a, they're going to have a problem scoring runs. Their whole offense is, you know, playing pro ball. So right. pitching, they should be okay, but we'll, we'll see. Basketball, like the Cajuns and the Jaguars are in competition to see who has the most transfers. My goodness. Jeez, you guys yeah. get two more transfers yesterday? What, what's going on? Yeah. I know. Jeez. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Craziness. Absolutely. It's like a whole new yeah. team. It's a but brand new team. It's going to be like, well, we got a whole new team. It's going to take a little bit of while, a little bit of time for them to play together. Where, where the, where know, the, where the standard? Right. One month of practice isn't going to do it. We got to do the preseason, and we'll see where we are come January. Yeah, we're going to get a lot of that. You see, <laughs> see, people give Marlon a lot of shit, but he's actually brilliant at keeping his job. He's the best in the country. Uh, right. right. The best team he had, he had, I mean, the reason. Oh, man. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit tough when you're in a one bid league, right? Although yep. I guess Georgia State For sure. keeps on going back. Um, his best team, he had bad luck, right? Yeah, an ankle roll, a tummy ache, it happens. Kid hurts his foot and the other guy got sick. Yeah. Right? I mean, they had the bet. That was the that was the best team that they had. I mean, and they had. Oh, that 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 was almost that was almost a better team than fourteen. But the Bryce, yeah, the Bryce Washington 
Jonathan, what's his last name? Jonathan Stove. Stove Jonathan heard, Stove. Yeah, Stove, yeah. Stove rolled his ankle. Stove um, rolled his ankle, and then Gant had Gant the flu. Gant was out. Yeah, Gant, Gant was sick. Yeah, Gant, and Gant got sick. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And then, but they lost to UTA? Yeah. Correct. And UTA ends up firing their coach because they don't beat Georgia State? Right. Yeah. Watch yeah. out for Troy. I know Troy wasn't very good last year, but Scott Cross is a good coach. Scott Cross is a hell of a coach. He's, He's a, a great good coach. coach. Scott Cross is a hell of a coach. He yeah. is. Um. Yeah, def- yeah, definitely respect him. I mean, he, he's the one that built UTA into the program that yeah. they were for, yeah. for years and, and years. Just, I, did UTA just fire their next coach? They did. They did. Uh, yeah, they're, they're going to have a first-year guy again this year. Um, Oops. Yeah, just a, a whole mess in the Sun Belt if you're not Georgia State or after last year, App State right. in, in terms of basketball. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I'm excited about this basketball team. Mm. It's the first time in a couple of years that I've been excited about basketball. But, uh, you know, Greg Williams Jr., you get a former five-star in and Jordan Brown. Uh, you get a healthy Kobe Julian back. I, I think this team could really could really make some noise. Yeah, I got no idea about South. The guy, Mike Flowers, I mean, he went to Siberia. He transferred to Washington State. I don't understand. Hey, burn, burn, burn the boats, baby. I mean, I don't understand. I guess people will see him play either on TV or, you know, in Seattle or in Southern California or in Arizona. But, <clears throat> you know, you can be scouting and stumble upon Mobile. Oh, I'm driving, you know, I'm right, driving right. to LSU. I'm driving to UL. I'm driving to Southern Miss. I'm driving to Tallahassee. You know, it's right on I-10. You don't have to go out of your way at all. I, why would you go to Washington State? I, that doesn't make that uh, you know it's not like they're an NCAA power or anything like that I, I don't understand that move so I wish to get the best he is ridiculously awesome I had I had the ULM broadcaster on my show and Flowers I guess the coastal was the guy from coastal or app got the player of the year Flowers should have got player of the year and he just took the game over he just hit three after three after three in the first round of the of the Sunbelt Conference tournament the broadcaster comes over and goes He's the player of the year. So he's a good kid. Wish him all the best. His father passed away just before this, you know, just after the season started. He hit a game-winning three in his debut. He should have beaten. Maybe I'm getting my years wrong. Auburn. They should have beaten Auburn. Yeah. That was that was that was either last year or the year before. That was the year before. Yeah, they should have beaten Auburn. Um, yeah, I guess that was two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And they only had like Six or seven guys. So didn't you get Auburn at your place two years ago? We did. Yes. How do you yes. do that? Yeah, because we'd we'd they love to know. They signed up for it. Plus, there was a kid um in high school down here who was a big time recruit. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you how you do that, Josh. Bruce Pearl. You gotta give it up to Bruce Pearl. The last coach made the agreement to have the home and home. Uh, and he kept on and it was full. This is like an uh I guess October, maybe early November. The place was packed. Auburn's leading all game, and all of a sudden, South is winning. Right, right. And a guy on Cleveland came up with an offensive rebound. They missed like three times. And the kid from the Cleveland Cavaliers came up with a rebound and hit two free throws. No, I mean, South should have won that. Josh, won that. You, know, you know how you get big teams to come to your, come to your place? Relationships. Your head coach has relationships. 
Yeah. Ours has none. Right. Listen, this is enough basketball talk. Y'all are going to chase our listeners, man. Oh. Hey, Dave, a lot of people making the trip Saturday. Where do we yes. eat? Where do we drink? Are we, are we <laughs> you doing it? I mean, there's going to be tailgating, right? Is not every, Are you guys not night, tailgating? Night before. Sure, sure. But, but you know, people that go up Friday, leave Sunday, you need other yeah. places to eat. Night, no, night before, post-game. Places downtown. I have not been out in a long time. Uh, Isn't there a restaurant, now. like, on the 52nd floor of a tower or something up there? Um, no. Is that Palm Hours? Is that Palm Hours? That's it. That's the one. Dolphins. Yeah, that's a nice place. If you're coming in on Friday night, if you're going to be here for dinner. Yeah, that's a nice place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's Heroes Downtown Sports Bar. If you want to taste of Louisiana, there's Walk-Ons. Is here. I'm a big fan of the blackjack chicken sandwich. I'll be doing the St. Paul's Setsuma High School football game. If anyone wants to show up there, the home of uh, uh, AJ McCarron and Jake Coker. Oh, nice. Um, so I don't know how good that game's going to be, uh, but we'll see. I mean, I you know I get to do my show there. I'm inside. It's air conditioned. Still popcorn. No, Jimmy John's. Hey. The only problem, the only problem hey. is there used to be cookies. I like the chocolate. Oh, well, scratch that off the list then. That's SJ disappointing. SJ Walker, they bring us boxes of Chick-fil-A. I would leave the Chick-fil-A and the chips. I would take the chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm doing you a favor. I'm taking all the calories. I'm eating your Schultz calories. is a cookie man. That's yeah. right. Dave Schultz, man, th- this has been fantastic. We appreciate you taking the time out of your Tuesday night to uh, to sit down and, and reminisce with a, with a couple of coon asses. Do we have any predictions? I predicted on the show today, I predicted South wins 28-24. Oof. Well, look, 38-28, Cajuns. I'm scared already. I mean, look, South 3-0, they feel good about themselves. They're off a bye. UL's kind of treading water, dealing with some O-line injuries. Uh, we still haven't figured out our decision-making at quarterback. I don't care what the media says. I know what I see. Uh, and the defense has been, like, up and down with tackling and technique. Very suspect. It's 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 very, it's very basic things that we're not getting right, you know, down to execution. So, uh, from what I've seen, that Bowling Green win looks a lot better now that they went up and beat yeah. Minnesota. I mean, my God. So, so yeah. who knows? I think 12-and-a-half is a ridiculous line, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, the Cajuns were banged up in that Nichols game, though, right? When they gave up all those yards for our sure, guard to play. But, and, uh, yeah, but we couldn't stop out. the elusive quarterback. Th- that was the main problem. Right. Well, you don't have to worry about that with Bentley. He's not very elusive. Well, yeah. on paper, yeah. Bentley gets better and better every game he plays. So, so we'll see. We'll see. Again, Jalen Tolbert is the guy best, to watch. He'll best be player on the field. On. No He's question be about the best it. Player on the field. No yeah. question about it. Schultz, once again, man, we appreciate you taking the time and. Uh, Hope you enjoy having some Cajuns back in Mobile this weekend. Absolutely. Hit me up, all right? Yes, sir. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate Thanks, you, Dave. Man, we'll take a break here on Rage Interview, and when we come back, we'll wrap up the two interviews we've done, and we'll talk some Cajuns in the NFL. Don't go anywhere. Rage Interview right back after this.
Acadiana business owners. Are you looking for custom solutions from local professionals that understand your business needs? Maybe you're looking to streamline your processes, become more efficient, and achieve elevated peace of mind? Utilizing and combined 30 years of experience in the financial and technology fields, the Vaulted Security Team is ready to assist you with reaching your goals. From credit card processing, internet and phone services, website hosting and design, to hosted cloud, even digital marketing and recovery software, Vaulted Security can do it all. Here's a message from Solutions Specialist Anna Bourgeois. Hi, I'm Anna Bourgeois, your Solutions Specialist, and it's my goal to understand how we can make your business run more efficiently while increasing profits. I'm very passionate about doing business genuinely. In the merchant services industry and other business areas, it's hard to find a partner that you can trust without question. I'm here to change that perception. Give me a chance to show you what true partnership is all about. Contact Anna today at 337-210-4272 or email Anna at Vaulted Security. Welcome back to Rage Interview. Matt Miguez, one last time. Jerry Abair, man about town, Josh Jagno. Gentlemen, what a crazy, fun episode that we have done so far tonight. You know, talk realignment, talk Georgia Southern game, firing Chad Lunsford. We talked about having three players, three former players, up for the NFL Hall of Fame. We talked about the UL Athletic Hall of Fame class. Um, poke some fun. slid in. Slid in some Scott Farmer stories. Slid in some Scott Farmer stories. Um, we, 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 poked, we poked some fun at some in-state schools. Um, and then we went behind enemy lines times two with JT Crabtree and Dave Schultz. Appreciate both of those guys taking the time to uh, to sit down and do that with us. But now, you know, it, it, it's time to talk about the Sun Belt from week four. Recap some games, talk um, Cajuns in the NFL, Cajuns in Vegas, and then our lovely "Man, I Tell You What" segment. But you know, let's start. Let's recap those two interviews that we that we just did. Um, you know, get your guys' thoughts. Well, Dave was money, of course. Uh, what we said about him being the truth teller—that um, was true. He was an outsider that came in and told it like it was, and it, it rubbed people the wrong way. It made him uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, he he was right more often than he wasn't, and he was something that we needed when we needed it. So I've always appreciated Dave, even though some of the stuff he says kind of gets under your skin. I mean, when you take a step back from the comment or you know the tirade or the rant or whatever he's doing, uh, you realize that there's value in what he's saying. So having him come on the podcast the first time was really cool and obviously some of those stories are I mean they're a Cajun lore now you know five years ago six years ago when that stadium was coming up and all that uproar happened I mean wow to sit back and think about it it's it's interesting to just it, how it, it all isn't unfolded. it crazy to, to see you know like you said Josh not only how it all unfolded then but looking back on it now how far we've come I mean, think about it. Just six years ago, 
We had a rundown, dilapidated baseball stadium, a rundown, dilapidated football stadium, and we didn't really have much of an athletic facility. It's true, man. When you commit to winning and you commit to a process, these are the results, and they're just now starting to bear fruit. So, yeah, yeah. Thinking about those days with Dave, and, you know, there was a lot of success, 14, 15, 16, across all sports. You know, we, we can't we can't forget about those days. They laid the foundation for what we're enjoying now. Yeah, no no, no question about it. Um, and, then, and then, you know, the interview with JT, getting the – Getting the perspective from inside the the program, obviously he him being the radio play by play guy, uh, it, it was cool to listen to him because he's a South Alabama alum, has lived in Mobile his entire life, so South Alabama's kind of all he's known, um, and and it it kind of he kind of grew up it being his one of his dream jobs to be the radio guy for South Al, and that's exactly the position that he's in. And, you know, we, we talked about it in the, in the first interview. It was really cool that he was sitting in his office inside Hancock Whitney stadium while doing the interview with us. Um, he thinks highly of this program as he should, uh, three and O Kane Womack, Jake Bentley, Jalen Tolbert, uh, Corey Batoon, their, their DC. I mean, up and down, South Alabama is a much improved football program than where they were just last season. Um, and and so just hearing him talk about, you know, the the buzz around Mobile, especially about this game. I mean, you guys heard it. He he said that this is the biggest game in Mobile since 2014. Um, and, and that, you know, that's kind of the vibe around campus, kind of the vibe within the athletic department. So they're excited about it. We're excited about it. Um, you know, quickly wrapping up the preview of this game. I think this might be one of the toughest games on our schedule. Situationally, it absolutely is. This is a very, very important game. I don't, I don't know if people have stopped to think about this South Al team just yet, but on paper, where it falls in the They're season, good. coming off of a bye for, for South, this is important, and it's something that we cannot be asleep on. And and not to, into that stadium, and and not to mention what we have laying in wait after this game. Well, that's another thing. You know, do these guys look ahead to App State? Right, because you can't do that if you no. even if you even begin to peek ahead. South is going to punch you in the mouth. Yep, we got to be ready to be focused for Saturday. Yep, no, no look, question about it. It's a road game. It's a road conference game. Um, it's a road conference game against a team that's three and zero. Their their highest can be right now with that start. They've had a bye. Uh, we just came off a gritty win on the road against a very in a very tough environment and down in Paulson playing Georgia Southern. And so, hopefully, we have enough momentum to carry this into this week. But the reality is pretty simple. Um, you're playing a team that is is. They, they, I guess I guess it's uncharted waters for South Alabama. But that's also very dangerous. Um, so we have to be on our P's and Q's. And just, you know, like I said, it, it's, a, it's a conference road game. There's no reason why anybody should be looking forward to app um, 10 days from Saturday. What we need to be worried about is Saturday. And if it's true what JT said, that this is the biggest home game since 2014 uh, for, for this program, then 
that means they're pulling out all the stops for Saturday night against the Cajuns. And knowing the Cajuns, knowing Billy Napier, I think we we're very good at facing that challenge. Yep. But you can't you can't start slow like you did last week. You have to keep your foot on the gas from the opening kickoff and don't and don't let up. Yeah, no question about it. You know, let's go into a recap of week four in the Sun Belt, and then we'll do a new thing that we that I've been wanting to do with you guys. So after I go through the scores of week four, we will talk week five matchups. I will tell you where the game is being played, and I will tell you what the line is. You tell me if you're buying or selling. Oh, I like it. Okay, so let's do that. Week four in the Sun Belt, Thursday night, App State inches away from Marshall, 31-30. to 30. Good game. Great game. Great game. Took a, took a field goal. App State kicks field goal with, what, four minutes left? Something like that. To, I, I to think App State's, defense, App State's defense looked susceptible to the pass and the big run. Yep. I was very surprised by that, but uh, hell of a game. Uh, credit to their offense for coming back. Yeah, no question about it. Louisiana overcoming Georgia Southern on Saturday, 28-20. to 20. Uh, Coastal Carolina demolishing UMass. I mean, surprise, surprise. 53-3. to three. Haven't played a damn school yet. Nope. They, they rarely do. They have the easiest schedule in the FBS. Eastern Michigan destroying Texas State. 59-21. to 21. I thought Texas State would take a step forward this I year. Just, I was I, very, very wrong. I, I don't know. I don't, Texas State can't get out of their own way, man. They just can't. They, I they like can't Spaz figure as it a out. Coach, man. I like him. I don't know what's going on. That's embarrassing. That's that's just the way I can describe that. Yep. The last two weeks against Incarnate Word and Eastern Michigan. Oh, don't worry. Embarrassing. Don't worry. We'll get into something more embarrassing here in a minute. And Emu has been down. They they are been on a downward trajectory. Right. So that's not a that's not a good quality loss. Right. Twenty eight points. Oh, Thirty eight points. It was 38 points. points. I stand corrected. I thought it was I thought it was 40. It was 50. It was 59. 59-21. Okay. Yep. Auburn. Embarrassing. Auburn surviving. I'm not even going to say that they won. They survived Georgia State 34 no. to 24. They they got hosed, man. The Panthers won that game. They, they just got hosed. Tulsa close one over Arkansas State 41 to 34. And then lastly, Monroe. Monroe beats Troy 29-16. to 16. And by the way, while we're on the topic of the Monroe game, prayers out to quarterback Rhett Rodriguez, who last I heard was in ICU with a lung injury. He's back home now. Yeah. Back home, recovering, okay. Recovering. But look, on the football field, Chip Lindsey just got fired. Yep. It hasn't been announced yet, but that is... He will oh, be yeah. fired for he's, losing. He's losing. Game. He's losing his job. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. That was your week four. Let's go into week five. It is a short schedule for the Sun Belt this week. Um, I will start from the bottom and work my way up. Arkansas State, Georgia Southern, both teams one and three. It is in Statesboro, and according to my ESPN app, well, there isn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Georgia Southern minus two. Give me Georgia Southern. Arkansas State going to Statesboro, getting two points. Over under of 65 and a half. Oh, my God. Give me give me Arkansas State and 10. Yeah. Arkansas State's going to roll. Troy, South Carolina. Um, 
that is obviously going to be played in Columbia, uh, South Carolina, a touchdown favorite. Oh my! I'll take I'll take South Carolina in that one. Uh, I'm taking Troy plus seven. I kind of like Troy to bounce back. Yeah, I'm taking Troy plus seven. Mm, I don't know, man. I gotta South go. Carolina South Carolina is really bad, man. They're really bad. I'm taking Troy plus seven. Okay. Yeah, that's that's easy money for me. I like him more with the hook. Give me seven and a half, but no. I, well, I, I think I like Troy to bounce back. Um. Yeah. I mean, I I agree with you. Uh, I, I think that's going to be a, a get right game for for South. Um, I mean for for Troy, excuse me. I don't know. I, I still think Troy plus seven or seven and a half, however you want to look at it, seems like an easy bet. Seems like easy money. I don't um, think I would lay my own money, but if it's just like monopoly money, yeah, give me Troy. Monopoly money. ULM Coastal Carolina. ULM on a winning streak. They will be in Conway. Oh. Coastal Carolina. You ready for this? Minus 34 and a half. Oh my God. I'll take, I, I'll take ULM in that one. Oh, will you? <laughs> I will. I don't, I don't think Coastal wins by 34 or more against ULM. I, I don't. Yeah, give me the hoax in the 34. Yeah, I, I buy that. I, I don't. I don't think that. Uh, yeah, no. I, I I agree with you. I'll take. I'll take Monroe. Look, um, I don't think it's. I don't think that this is like breaking news. ULM's the best team that they've played this this year. Yeah, isn't that crazy? It's not. It's not. It's not far fetched. Uh, this game that I'm about to bring up is, in my opinion, going to be a great one. App State Georgia State. It is a one thirty kickoff. A one o'clock kickoff. Excuse me. In Atlanta. App State minus 10. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting the Panthers and 10 points at home? How do they – so the question is, how do they respond from the Auburn game? Yeah. Do, are they do you lay down because they got hosed, or right. do they feel do they feel empowered and come out and play well? Over under, if, over under 55 and a half. I think that if the crowd shows up for that team, and I, and I think they will because of that performance, I think they get some juice from it, and I think I like the Panthers plus 10. Yeah. Um, I, I take that. I, I take that. I, I don't see the consistency here with Georgia State. Um, I like I like App plus or minus 10 on that one. App's good, man. I, I don't disagree. 7 yeah, o'clock on the plus in Mobile, Alabama. Cajuns, Jags. Cajuns minus 12 and a half. I like the Jags. Yeah, I'm, I'm taking I'm taking the Jags plus twelve and a half. Same over under. Still 50, like the 30. Cajuns to win though. I like the Cajuns. Yeah, the, to win, the, but the not Cajuns the Cajuns win, but they don't cover. No. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I'll take I'll take the Jags. But it's I think it'll be close, and I'll give you my prediction when we get to it. Well, we're not going to get there yet because now it's time as I as I cue kill the music. From our from our fun scoreboard. Now it's time for. Man, I tell you what. <laughs> it's time for man, I tell you what. I'm gonna play it again. Man, I tell you what. God, I love that sound. It's funny every time. Jerry A. Bear, take it away, sir. All right, man, I tell you what. 
what another great week of college football has passed. Cajuns got the win the other night, and we and we've we've harped on it numerous times. We harped on it earlier this episode. We've harped on it Saturday with the reaction pod, and a 28-20 win on the road at Paulson. Cajuns officially three and zero all time, which is basically an impossibility considering the fact that. Georgia Southern doesn't lose at Paulson Stadium, but the Cajuns are one or a hundred percent. So good job to the Cajuns. Now, I know there's a lot of disappointment in the way we played. I know there were certain phases of the game where we didn't quite play up to par of what the standard of Cajun football is, but two things to consider. Number one, you won at Paulson, which is a very hard place to win. But two, I have to sit back and just reflect on how far we've come as a program with our expectations when we're talking about how a 28 to 20 victory, even though we won the game, how we can improve and get better. 15 years ago, you go in a game like this with this situation and we're celebrating, we're throwing a parade because it was such a big win. And it just goes to show you how far we've come since then uh, when we would just be happy with, you know, getting a win by a, a point, let alone eight points or 18 points or however many points you win by. I remember back in the day, we, we had, there were times we had four, four win seasons and we were excited going six and six was a huge accomplishment. 2005 going six and five and getting a, a share, a three-way tired, a three-way share of the, of the conference title with Arkansas state and UL Monroe um, getting bowl eligible. That was a big deal. I mean, in 2011, when the Cajuns went eight and four, when we got the first invite to the New Orleans Bowl, we turned it into a fan event at the indoor facility because we haven't been invited to a bowl in almost 40 years at that time. And just to see how far we've come since then and see the success that we have been able to show since then, winning by eight points on the road, somehow people aren't satisfied. So I just want to let Cajun Nation know that, yes, expectations go up. I know there's times where we get disappointed in the way we play in spite of wins. That doesn't mean we don't enjoy the win, but that means we have higher standards now. Uh, I think the way we look forward is we want to win conference championships. We want to win bowl games. We want to be ranked in the top 25. And sometimes in order to do that, you have to play better than the way you did last Saturday in spite of winning the game. Uh, We do have some fans, and I'm not calling anybody out, but they're happy with one-point wins. And that's fine. That's okay. But if you want to reach the ultimate goal, sometimes you have to – raise the bar just a little bit and it's not, nobody's complaining. It's not, you know, we're not being miserable because we only won by eight points, but there's some things it's okay to point out the things you can improve on. So with that said, man, I tell you what, yes, we won the game. Yes. There are many phases of the game where we could have looked better, but you know what? We've come a long way from uh, being happy to win four games all the way till now, where still somewhat we're not a hundred percent satisfied with getting an eight point win on the road against the conference foe. So that's what college football is all about. That's what this is all about. As always, that's my man. I tell you what segment. And sometimes you just have to have standards and the bar has been raised for raging Cajuns football. And that's my segment for tonight, guys. Good shit, Jerry. Good shit, Jerry. All right, moving on. Cajuns in the NFL. Not a whole lot to talk about right here. Not much this weekend, um, I know this. It's kind of Elijah, quiet, Elijah Mitchell still injured. Trey Vegas still not playing. Well, that's because he got cut. He got waived. Oh, did he? Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, not yeah. cool, man. Their loss. Good news, though. Uh, I'll end it with some positivity. Nick Ralston was elevated to the active roster last night. 
Sure did. Did he get some snaps? Uh, that that I don't know because it's who watches the Cowboys and the Eagles. That is a very, very good answer. Who 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 gives a damn? Uh, so to be honest with you, I'm really not sure. Um, let's see. I'll pull up the. Did he? According to the stat sheet, he did not have any touches. Mm. That's um, all right. He he was dressing on the sideline at Jerry World, so that's cool. right. Yeah, no, that's on Monday that's night football too. Yeah, Josh Cajuns in Vegas. What you got? Oh man, I think I've said it, but uh, twelve and a half we're, seems. We're, we're two and we're two and two on the season, man. Come on, two and two. Hey, two and two is not 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 losing money. We're not losing money. Yeah, but, but you were better last year. Well, last year was like I was on a, like a, a, a comet streak, and, and you but, were also taking candy from a baby. But anyway, well, I mean, the games to me were so easy to call last year. The lines made absolutely no sense. But it's starting to happen again this year. Like, dude. How the hell can you imagine the Cajuns walking in with offensive line injuries, a, a team that can't convert on a third down, a team that can't stop, or teams that are in third and long situations? How the hell does that equate to a 12-and-a-half-point victory against a 3-0 <laughs> team at home coming off a bye? I mean, it doesn't even make sense. So, no, I, I'm, I'm on the Jags 12-and-a-half. Easy. That's an easy game for me this year, this week. What do you think, Jay? Jerry? Oh, um, well, I, I, no, I'm with you. I got, I think, I, I guess this would be my prediction. I, mean, I had my prediction yeah. in this. We talked about it earlier. Look, yeah, I, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. I don't think that, um, the Cajuns are 12 points better than this team right oh, now. Oh, um, God, no. Even though, even though we've won three straight, even though we look good in certain phases, we haven't really played a complete game yet. And until we play a complete game, um, I don't see us going on the road, like you said, to a team, an in-conference foe that's three and oh, they're looking Right now, they're, they're eyeing the prize for the Western Division. So, of course, the first step to doing that is getting past the kings of the Western Division, which is us, and they're at home. Um, so, it, it's, yeah, they're at home off coming a off a bye. Uh, yeah, coming off a bye. They're, they're, they're feeling good right now. Um, in spite of that, I still don't think South Al is quite there yet, if that makes sense. I, I still think that they're still trying to find that identity. In the press conference the other day, uh, King, uh, Coach I'm sorry, Coach Kane Womack said himself, he said, look, Billy Napier and his and his team, this is they they they're they're three and a half years into the process here. You know, we're just getting started. And and he said a lot when he when he said that. I think that this team is a little bit more established. This team knows how to handle certain adversities differently than South Al. Um, JT was on earlier talking about how some parts, some games they didn't play as well. You know, bowling green, they still found a way to win but they didn't play as well. And you can't do that against a Cajuns team. I, th- I think the Cajuns are just a little more mature. I think the Cajuns are a little bit more experienced. I think they're a little more polished. While I think South L is on the upper trajectory, I just don't think they're quite there yet. Um, so I, I do like the Cajuns this game. Now, granted, the Cajuns have to play a lot better and be more consistent. I still like the fact, as far as the matchups go, and Dave brought up that South L has stopped the run. If we call... If we call plays more consistently with the run game and establish the run game, I still think our running backs are going to do fine if they get more touches. Pass the ball like you did last week, I still think Levi has a shot to do what he did last week over the top. You do that, I still think the Cajuns can come out, even though they won't cover the spread. I still like them winning this game going on 4-1, and one, um, 31-20. I, that's, that's my prediction. I think the Cajuns win at 31-20 in Mobile to go to 4-1 and one and a, a much-needed 10-day break before the showdown against uh, Appalachian State on October 12th at Cajun Field. So 31-20 Cajuns. 
I think in order to make a prediction for this game, you have to answer some questions. Number one, do you trust the offensive line with the lack of depth and the way that they've had to move pieces going back to the, you know, the, the starting lineup that was against Texas and to a certain degree Nichols. Well, in both those games, they didn't play well. We didn't produce well. So that's going to be a somewhat of a, of a, you, you got to find out what the answer to that question is. Number two, do you think that the defense is going to start tackling people? Because to this point, they have been an up and down with regard to technique and tackling. Number three, are we going to execute on third down? You know, Billy kind of got into it on his press conference and he said, we know what we're doing wrong. We know that it is, it's small, basic things. It's execution. We just have to do it. Well, we weren't great on third down last year and we've, we've been abysmal this year. So at what point are you just not a good third down team? We need to stop getting in our way and just call the plays that work. We don't need to outsmart people. We don't need to, you know, look, if it's third and six, we don't need to throw a 40 yard pass. Let's keep the ball. Let's control the ball. Let's dominate time of possession as much as we possibly can and play. Just keep it football. First down after first down after first down. I want to see 28 to 35 first downs for this offense to, on Saturday. That's how you win. That's how you control the ball. You get the crowd out of the game. We're going into a hostile environment. We have to understand that. This is not your, your grandpa's Mobile, Alabama. Like This is a real game day atmosphere that we're about to see. Yep. So there's a couple of questions that I need to see get answered. And, and overall, we just have to play better because we're not playing well. We're playing like a middle-tier Sunbelt football team right now. We are not playing the way we know we can play. 38-30. Yeah, I think it's a one-score game. 38-30. I think, I think the Cajuns do. I, I think it's going to be very similar to, to what we've seen the first four games of the year. The Cajuns do a lot of things well. The Cajuns do a lot of things poorly. And at the end of the game, we find a way to win. You're basically saying we do just enough to win a game. Yep. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna look back at this game. And we're gonna go. Well, you know, th- this happened that was good. This happened that was good. This happened that was good. But man, you know, this sucked. We didn't play well here. Blah blah blah. But you know, and, and at the end of it, we're all gonna say, Ah, well, you know, a win's a win. And look, like I said at the top in the first segment, people give Foot a lot of shit because he finds the negatives in places where other people might find positive. But the fact of the matter is all of these things that we've been talking about since last year, even though it was a historic year, we, we, we would harp on certain things. Those things are starting to come to light this year and we're not wrong. Nope. And y'all can get mad at us, at us if you want, but we're not wrong. Nope. We're not. We never are. That's going to do it for this episode of Rage and Review. Social media, obviously Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Rage and Review. Uh, look for this episode to be on your airwaves tomorrow. Uh, that would be Wednesday, three days before kickoff. And then, as always, we will bring you the pregame show Saturday morning uh, to preview this big-time 7 o'clock matchup on ESPN Plus between the Cajuns and the Jags of South Alabama. Boys, appreciate you taking the time, as always. And uh, Owie knows the drill. Cheers. Tell them, Owie.